2: Hi, what's up? Welcome to another episode of Serious Issues, a comic book podcast, the official podcast of King's Comics in Sydney. My name is Andrew Levins. My name is Siobhan Coombs. Every week we read all the comics and goddamn, do we have a big show for you this
3: Goodness week. Goodness gracious, so a lot of comics this week, guys.
2: Yeah, we read, I think we've got about over 50, uh, well over 50 comics to review in this episode. Plus we have some very exciting news. Plus a drastic change to one of our most beloved segments. Oh my
3: god, are you guys prepared? Probably um, not. So we
2: should ad- address the news first. Yeah. Um, first of all, I want to say that I reckon this is episode fifty-three, and I think we've. I'm, I'll do the final count after we read it, but I think we're going to review fifty-three comics. Whoa! In this, in this episode, so hopefully that is. I like wish an it was fifty-two.
1: <laughs>
2: I know we, we had our fifty-second episode last week. We didn't make one new fifty-two joke. Oh, well,
3: that's really annoying. We're the Damn worst it.
2: comic book podcast there is. But we're also the best because um, <laughs> we've got some very cool news. Um, some friends of ours over at the Weekly Planet podcast uh, launched their own like podcasting network over the weekend. They had a big live event in Melbourne, and uh, they've launched a network called Planet Broadcasting, which you can find at planetbroadcasting.com. And uh, when you go on that website, you can click the Our Shows, and there's like 10-ish shows. 10. Ten, not 10-ish, ten shows. Uh, you've got the Weekly Planet. You've got Filthy Casuals, a video game podcast. You've got a podcast called Do Go On. You have a friend of the show, Steel Saunders's Steel Wars podcast. Um, Auntie Donner on there. Um, Josh Earls, Don't You Know Who I Am? Dragon Friends, Two in the Think Tank, Human Ordinary, and then Lucky Last, Serious Issues. Hey,
3: so it's we are us.
2: now, we are now, we have, we have proud parents.
3: Oh, that's so nice.
2: Sivon's not met her parents yet. <laughs> I haven't, <laughs> but I met them and they're lovely. Um, so yeah. Uh, uh, Mr Sunday Movies from Weekly Planet revealed his face. No one knew what he looked like. Oh wow. What does doing he this look show like? to millions of people. Uh, he's handsome. <laughs> <laughs> It um, would have
3: been way better if he was like, actually really disfigured and everyone was like, oh, yeah."
2: The, so there were lots of, there's, there's like a lot of like, <laughs> I don't want to be too mean about it because they'll probably listen to this. They're like, hey, what are all these other shows are like? And then the first thing is like, man, the Weekly Planet listeners are weird. But there are like <laughs> people speculating, having speculated. Wow. There are like forums online, like Reddits wow. dedicated to what Mr. Sunday Movies looks like. Oh and, like, where I've been quoted directly because I described him as handsome. Once. <laughs> they were like, I've heard podcasts describing him as handsome. <laughs> so, are but, these all Australian podcasts? Yes, they are. So, I mean, I guess where they're coming from with this new network is that, uh, you know, in America, in Europe, in the UK, podcasting is so much bigger than it is in, uh, in Australia. In fact, mm-hmm. I'm pretty certain we have more listeners in America uh, than we do in Australia these days. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, uh, howdy, <laughs> <through our> American <laughs> listeners. G'day, uh, mate. But uh, yeah, we are. Uh, we are. Uh, I mean, we, we're far behind in the podcast uh, listening stakes. But mm. as far as creating them, there's there's a shit ton of of, of Australian podcasts. And uh, Weekly Planet, for whatever reason, uh, probably because they're very professional, what they do are mm-hmm. enormous, and so they want to use their size and stature to kind of make other Australian podcasts that they're a big fan of uh, become bigger and a reach a wider audience. And very um, cool of them. Partner indeed. with their partners. So uh, we're extremely excited to be part of this. Hopefully it means we're going to have lots more guests and guest appearances. I reckon you should go on Weekly Planet, Siobhan. You'd be great on it.
3: Oh, thanks. Yeah, I'd love to. <laughs> would, would I have to physically go to Melbourne to do that? Yep. Oh, jeez. You might go there. I'd like Melbourne. Does, is, Melbourne's is there nice.
2: Chance? You went there for a comic book thing once. Yeah, I did. Stay stay, for, stay a while longer next time. <laughs> um, but yeah, thanks so much to uh, the Weekly Planet guys, Claire, Nick, and James for uh, inviting us to be part of uh, Planet Broadcasting. We're super excited to see what happens next.
3: Yeah, that's heaps lovely, guys. Thank you.
2: And uh, definitely go check out the website and subscribe to all those podcasts. Um, I
3: literally just subscribed to Auntie Donna because I didn't realize they had a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so cool. Uh,
2: yeah. So uh, yeah. Already, this is
3: improving my life.
2: Hopefully, they can be guests. I know that um, that uh, Mark from uh, Arnie Donner is a big comic book guy. So oh, cool. The next time he's in Sydney, we can ask him on the podcast. Yeah, that'd be sick. I'm just like making all these, like, you should go on this and yeah. he on here. Blah, blah, whatever. That's what we do networking, on the
3: podcast. networking, guys.
2: Uh, so we've got a whole bunch of comics to review on this episode, and the way we do it each week is we start with all the number ones that came out last week,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and uh, we do a, a little segment called First Things First, where we review all the brand new series that started last week, that's, so we'll have number ones, we'll have annuals and one-shots and special edition one-offs, and that's what we're going to start with now. Normally we'll start with like the big Marvel or DC number mm-hmm. ones, which are almost always disappointing.
3: Almost always, <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, But this week uh, Both of us were So enamored with uh, These two one shots uh, That came out uh, From IDW mm-hmm. um, In fact Just two or three weeks ago I was saying how Lamenting that I had not read Enough classic Judge Dredd stuff mm. And uh, a few weeks before that We were lamenting The untimely death Of uh, one of our favourite um, Comic book creators Steve Dillon mm. uh, Who is best known For his work on Preacher uh, On Punisher? Uh, Hellblazer mm-hmm. Um yeah, uh, so much incredible stuff. Obviously, collaborating with uh, with Garth Ennis, but with so many other people across all different comic books uh, all over the globe. And uh, he got his start at 2000 AD,
3: like so many British creators.
2: And um, so this week IDW uh, reprinted a uh, a book that he drew. Um, with uh, John Wagner and Alan Grant, but they were used to go by the alias of T.B. Grover when they wrote this one.
3: Sick. <laughs> um,
2: and it's uh, called Cry of the Werewolf in which Judge Dredd becomes a werewolf.
3: If that isn't enough to sell you on this comic book, I don't know why you're listening to this. <laughs> and
2: the cover of this is uh, is Judge Dredd with his, like like saying, I am the law, except as he says law, his hand turns into an enormous like wolf, wolf hand yep and so he goes I am the law
3: which is kind of like how Sylvester Stallone said it in the George movie anyway right exactly so it, works. Even a it works werewolf. really well
2: uh, and so I, I was like oh my god what is this I've mm. got I've, I've to get this and I, then I read that there's an incredible forward by um, Steve Dillon's brother Gwyn Glyn Dillon
3: who um, has made some incredible comics himself The Now of, now Brown, of Brown
2: was real good um, and, he, and, and I've read a lot of really lovely um, kind of dedications to Steve mm. Dillon he was a very important creator and by all, by all stories i've read like an incredibly nice guy yeah and a heck of a drinker too um which is always appealing to me mm. um but uh i in fact after reading this i was like you know i've, I've not actually read garth NSA anything so i googled it and sure enough there is a dedication oh, nice that stuff. garth wrote which is really sweet you should look it up mm. um but uh yeah so this 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 book reprints in its entirety um the collected strips from 2000 ad of judge dread cry of the werewolf in which uh the, the judges investigate an attack um, by by some werewolves and a bunch of judges succumb to the bite of the werewolf themselves, including Judge Dredd. Um, it's a really really great story that ends like so strangely and quickly. Yes, yeah, so because great of, because of the serialized nature of this uh, this strip. Um, and the reason, so on one hand, this is a nice little dedication to Steve Dillon, a great like you know great example of some of the incredible work that he did when he worked for Two Thousand AD, but IDW are currently doing a kind of line-wide, uh, like, you know, special one-shot device called Deviations, in which they get their properties to deviate from, their, from the norm and do these one-shots, almost like a What If or, or an mm. worlds, but based off of IDW properties.
3: And based from a specific moment in the comics. Uh,
2: so, Deviations Judge Dread, written by John McRae with art by Mike Spicer this week, Um was always planned to be like this. Um, there's a uh, a forward written by John McRae that he'd written before finding out that Steve Dillon had died. That one of his favorite books, re- um, you know, growing up was one of my favorite Judge Dredd stories growing up was Cry of the Werewolf, which was um, you know John Wagner Alan Grant and Steve Dillon. And so he basically takes like a moment from the end of that of that panel, that, of that sorry of that story, and then deviates it so that. Um, instead of getting cured, spoilers for cry. the Werewolf, <laughs> obviously Judge Dredd gets cured. Uh, judge Dredd remains a werewolf but can take control of the werewolf part of his body. Um, so essentially you have a judge, what do they call him? Like Judge Wolf or something ridiculous. Um, and there are like people like demanding that he gets freed. And uh, it's this amazingly hilarious story about like, all the judges working with Judge Dread, who is a werewolf.
3: But it brings in so one of the um, one of the characters that was in the original story um, is this judge who lives kind of outside of Mega City One, where it's like him against the robots. He's like this lone, he is a lone wolf, lone judge out there by himself. And so in this um, in the Deviations issue, Judge. Dread teams up with him again um, as a werewolf and they take down all these robots and it's sick <laughs> it's so good
2: <laughs> um, this was a really really great book and you know it, it was it's a bit tragic to read that uh, there's a, there's, a, there's an afterword written by John McRae that he wrote at the end of last year um, the day after Steve's death um, and, and saying you know it was always meant to be a tribute to Steve Allen and, and John um, but now it's a memorial to his friend all round good bloke and terrific artist Mr. Steve Dillon so yeah poignant and, and just a just a great great two issues, like an incredible... Absolutely. Two of the best things I read all week.
3: Absolutely. Agreed. And it's one of those, like, I, I am a big fan of Steve Dillon, and most of his work that I know is, like, from when he developed a fairly distinctive style, and I think it's really interesting to read something um, like this book, which was much earlier in his career, where he hasn't quite developed that style, but it's still so clear what a... Like, master storyteller, he is. Like, even on a slightly reduced scale and told in this serialized format, it's so, it's such like, such brilliant work.
2: And there's like, just geeking out at his brother, geeking out on his favorite panels, rereading this book. Because um, I think there was quite an age gap between the two brothers, and 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 so Glenn remembers going to visit Steve while he was drawing this, and being so envious of his brother's life, and wanting really wanting to have the same life his brother had. Because really he was sweet. twelve, it's really sad. So, yeah, but it's a brilliant, brilliant book. Um, I highly recommend. If your comic book shop uh, has these still on the shelves, snatch them up real fast. Uh, Judge Dread, Cry of the Werewolf, and Deviations, Judge Dread. Um, yeah, two Highly of this we this week. Absolutely, so so great. Uh, another book that I read this week, and number one, another one of fifty, however many books we read this week that I <laughs> read this week. Um, no, another number one, Exo Manor War, um, from Valiant, um, written by Matt Kent with uh, Tomas Giorello and Diego Rodriguez. Um, this is uh, who is it? Robert Venditti. Vendetti. He did the long, the long, very long arc on Exo uh, Manor War when, when Valiant like you know came back Mm. however many years ago that was and that ended at some point last year i think i might be getting my valiant facts wrong so apologies to all diehard valiant fans
3: i know nothing i know nothing on this topic
2: hashtag valiant master race Um, (laughs) do they really
3: yeah oh wow Um, that's really heavy (laughs) i like that
2: um so uh I mean, we we always get people kind of pushing us to read more Valiant stuff. And we should. It's great to get a jumping on point. And, you know, we're already massive Matt Kint fans, so it was exciting Mm -hmm. to get something new from him uh, again this week. Uh, Exo Manowar, I I bought the first few issues when Valiant came back, but I was quite... That just wasn't the kind of comic that I was uh, like into reading Mm. when it came out. So I I, I didn't really give it the chance it deserved. Now I read every comic, so (laughs) it absolutely is. Everything gets a chance. Uh, And uh, this is a story that kind of, you know, you can tell that... It, it's it's long after so many adventures for um what's his name aric or something like that whatever um the exo Manowar war guy's name is um i'm to try and find his name at some point all cool. right Eric. Eric. Thanks, jim. thanks jim uh <laughs> jim is one of the jim is one of the special voices that lived in siobhan's head that helps us out with answers sometimes. <laughs> um but uh yeah so aric aka exo Manowar you can tell this is coming like peeping in on him after he's had like a lifetime of uh, of adventures mm-hmm. um and the Exo Manor war is like an armor that he wears over his body. It's blue and gold. If you've seen a Valiant poster, he's always like front and foremost in this colorful armor. But uh, the bulk of this book is him, not in the armor, just trying to survive on the, on a planet that is not his own, and uh, dating a girl with a tail who does kinky stuff with her tail. Wouldn't you? Yeah, of course I would. <laughs> um, and uh, he's recruited into war uh, against his will and against his 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 partner's will.
3: And he's seen as just cannon fodder. But they don't realise what a cool dude he is. So he fucking kills a bunch of dudes.
2: But then because he kills the dudes so good, he has to kill a bunch more. He gets recruited to kill a whole bunch more dudes.
3: <sighs> See, that's why you should never achieve, guys. Yeah, exactly.
2: Just let yourself be cannon fodder and die. <laughs> um, and uh, the last panel, this is uh, him calling his armour back around himself.
3: I really like this issue. This is
2: great. This is great. The art in particular. Like, Valiant have a pretty great, mm. uh, you know, legacy of, of of artists particularly like ones with fantastic european and spanish names
3: yeah um, i was gonna say this feels very euro like it feels kind of 2000 ad-esque sci-fi almost, heavy, almost. Heavy metal. Yeah, yeah yeah almost heavy metal absolutely um but yeah really enjoyable really solid first issue even if you don't know that much about the character like that's such a great intro um yeah, I really like. Really well, yeah, recommend this. N-
2: neither of us know much about Warren yeah, and this is, this is a perfect jumping-on point for us, I thought. So, yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely going to stick with this series. This is great.
3: Yep, same. Absolutely.
2: Cool. Uh, we've got some more Valiant reviews coming later on in, in this little segment. But first, Iron Fist number 1 by Ed Brisson, um, Mike Perkins, and Andy Troy. Uh, this is a stark contrast to the Power Man and Iron Fist run that we rave about every month.
1: Mm. They've
2: decided to make this one be more in line with the boring Netflix series. <laughs> and yes, I'm going to be harsher on this because I loved the David Walker um, and uh, Stanford Green, Power Man and Iron Fist run. Uh, and I know that it's ending really soon, mm. so they can do this. But even if I wasn't already angry about that, I thought this book was real boring and just like not the kind of superhero tale that I enjoy.
3: Yeah, look, I, I didn't hate it. Um And I don't mind them taking a different, like, doing a different take on the character. Like, we've seen a bunch of different Iron Fists over the last couple of years, and there's a bunch of different ways in which he works. Um, This is more in line with the kind of, like, uh, the. Kari Kyle Andrews kind of um, version of the character from that Iron Fist series, the Immortal Iron Fist or the But there was
2: such a fun goofiness to that series. Yeah, totally.
3: Were... Like this is the problem. Like it's it's taking that kind of that vibe of Danny Rand but not doing the most sophisticated story with it. Um,
2: and he's losing his powers. Yeah. And he's like old and he's like a bit jaded and he's over it. And the and whole he's like brooding. the
3: whole <laughs> like kind of um, it kind of reminds me of that Cage miniseries that we had recently, where like, the whole crux of the story is like he can't find anyone to beat him, so he needs to like, go on this journey to find someone to beat.
2: Except that Cage series was the best.
3: Yeah, except that Cage series was like, totally the best. Um, I, quite liked, I did quite like the art on this. I think that um, Mike Perkins does a, does a good job, does a solid job. It's pretty like, but it is it is very like the colors are very muted. Uh, yeah, it's I, uh, dark. I it's... thought it,
2: Mike Perkins is perfectly capable, but it just felt like house ha- house art. You know what I mean? Like yeah. There's no flair in this. It's just you know it's competent work. Yeah. Um, and it brings back the uh, like you know, uh, as he, as he does his different action moves, it says what the name of it is like upward cannon punch. Yeah. shut a kick, and I thought we moved on from that. Oh, we? I like that. Yeah, okay, I, right. <laughs> I like that as well. I like it when it's funny. When it's like you know like. <laughs> The Devil's Nuts.
3: Mm, yes, good. <laughs> Real good stuff. I think uh, I'm totally fine with, like, a serious kung fu epic. And I'm... i mean, Like, I'll even give this another issue to see if, um, you know, when he gets to the location where all these sick fights are happening, that, yeah. it's what? something amazing. But the cover, like... The cover of next the next issue is so much like the Netflix series that it's just kind of. I Which don't know. no one
2: likes, by the way. Oh, I, I, okay. Not, not that many people love. Yeah. I'm, I'm being too harsh on it, right, sure considering are. they gave I'm us so money. Yeah. Sure <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, look, you know what? The last page of this of this comic definitely um, gives me hope for how much fun it could potentially be in the yeah, future. Yeah, absolutely. It, it does bring that mystical element. If this is just him, like, kind of just beating up dudes around the world. Yeah. Um,. Yeah, uh, this used to be dull, but instead it looks like he's, gonna, he's going to go back to his mystical roots. Which, yeah, which could be very fun. Could
3: be fun. It isn't yet, but it could be fun.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Fingers crossed, fists crossed. Image put out two books this week, Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Did you read them? Did I you even do. know they were coming out? Remember when no. we said we were going to do that thing where we predict uh, how well these new Image number ones each week were going to sell? Oh yeah. Yeah, we we forgot. We, that. Totally forgot to do we that. Did, like once. I
3: predict that neither of these sold amazingly well, but reasonably well. That would be my pick.
2: <laughs> so the two books uh, we got one by Ray Fawkes um, called Under Winter, and the other one is called The Magdalena by Teeny Howard, Ryan Cady, Christian Debari, and Mike Spicer.
3: Two books with like kind of similar overarching themes, but like then could really? not be more different. Just like magic. <laughs>
2: <laughs> they were both comics.
3: They <laughs> <laughs> were both comics about magic.
2: Uh, what do we want to talk about first?
3: Um, let's talk about Magdalena. Why not?
2: Okay. So, Mag- the Magdalena is uh, the return of a property that I've never read before.
3: Neither. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a um, decades-old property. It's a classic top cow. Top um, cow image um, title, which usually, to me, says uh, tits. Yep. And I... Big old bobs. <laughs> and I think that um, they're doing a pretty good job of getting like female creators on their kind of tits-focused properties and trying to update <laughs> them a bit. Um, and making them a bit more uh, Less palatable and accessible for, uh, palatable boobs for a, new, a new generation of um, comic fans. And I quite liked this issue. Yeah,
2: me too. The, the cover for me just looks like any other Top Cow book. I thought it was a really bland... I think it's just like the, that bad, really dated logo and... Uh, the, the the image on the cover itself is fine, but it looks like that, that like kind of like stark blue background. I was like, yeah. oh boy, this doesn't look very good. But I um, was pleasantly surprised with uh, the insides. Yeah. Um, so this this character of the Magdalena was introduced in The Darkness. Okay. Very classic Top Cow book. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, this iteration of her... We see two iterations of her in this book.
3: Because mm, the Magdalena is like a... It's a role that is passed down from... Religious lady to religious lady. And I think they did a really solid job in this of introducing, like, the most famous version of this character, um, whose name I've forgotten, who is uh, Patience, Patience, who is the Magdalena, but we see her kind of losing her powers um, very early on. And it does a good job of kind of establishing that, like, while she is, like, these are faith-based characters, <laughs> um, she has split from the Vatican, and there's, like, all this crazy stuff. But they do – Tinney Howard does an amazing job of um, – getting all that across to a point where like you feel like you know the character like i felt like i understood exactly where that character was coming from and what what she was about in a fairly succinct amount of time um and then we're introduced to this new character who's a kind of like metal loving post high school teen who which sounds horrible but sounds bad
2: she's handled really well in this uh yeah especially you know th- th- there are so many examples of books where like you know like Angsty young person who likes music now has superpowers. Yes. What's gonna happen? And this was actually like pretty great.
3: Yeah, actually, it's like kind of um, I feel like the, like the Starman um yes. kind of trope, that's, that's a great but comparison. done really well. Like done not as well as Starman, maybe I don't know. That's <laughs> the hey, big we're, call, we're one Big call from it? the first issue. Um, first
2: issue of Starman, not that great. Yeah, true. It does get it gets immensely better very quickly though. Um, we're talking about the. Uh, James Robinson, Starman Run, mm, Tony classic. Harris, great stuff.
3: Um, but yeah, I think I think they did a. I think I like this issue. Yeah, me too. It was Way actually, more than I was expecting. It to.
2: was co-written by Tini Howard and Ryan Cady, um, and uh, I think they did. I think yeah, the, the the writing and and the art actually came together really well on this. The art mm. is nothing like the cover. No. Um. The the cover is this very polished, a lot more uh, boobacious uh, version of, yeah. of of Magdalena that we see inside. In fact, she's yeah yeah. She's
3: much more of a you know. Straight up cool warrior in this.
2: Definitely. Where does her mid drift. (laughs) That's hilarious. On the front cover, they've cut out like her mid drift and and then these big kind of like circles on her thighs. Look, it's very practical. But then you lose a lot of heat from that. You see the character and she doesn't doesn't look like that at all. She's got a full body suit on.
3: And this was also good because um, there was like a a reasonable amount of like really horrifying stuff that happens in this comic. Like they didn't hold back from um, really sort of gory, weird stuff going on. I liked it.
2: Yeah, the, the, the horror themes were, were were really good in this. Mm. The, uh, the cover of issue two is much more in line with what this series actually
3: yeah, is. That's
1: so
2: good. Uh, I'm going to stick with this one, for sure. Same. The Magdalena number Keeps 1. Keeps enjoyable. Uh, it's always funny when you enjoy a Top Cow book, isn't it?
3: It is. <laughs> but it's, a, it's such a surprise. It's such a pleasure.
2: Um, so Ray Fawkes, uh, best known for his work um, at DC, I guess, um, during a considerably more... Polish is the wrong word, but more kind of standard, regular cartooning mm. than what he's done in this book, Underwinter. Um, most recently, we've read him in the Black Hammer annual. Um, right. And he has like, you know, if you think Jeff Lemire and Dustin Nguyen are like, you know, sketchy and Matt Kint are like, have like a mm. sketchy quality to their art, Ray Fox goes that one level further. And there's, a, there's like a, there's a, you know, it, it's, it's kind, of kind of like David Mack, Covers from like the, mm. the early two thousands, but yeah, there's a painted quality to his to his art to his comic artwork. Um, some of it's extremely simple, simplified, um, and they see like lime work, a lot of washed out watercolors, that kind of thing. It's an acquired taste. If this is kind of this kind of cartooning isn't your style, you'll hate this. Yeah, totally. But um, I spent the first half of this book going, "What the hell is happening?" And then suddenly it clicks, and I realize what what, what, what basically it's, it's a it's a um, a string quartet. Mm-hmm. Um, being asked to perform at this like suspicious manner,
3: possibly weird sex party at a rich person's manor,
2: and they have to play bl- blindfolded. The uh,
3: final page is one of the like most nuts best reveals in a comic I've read in ages. <laughs> I really enjoyed this. Yeah,
2: I don't think we need to say much more about the plot than this. But like, he no. it, kind of like he kind of jumps from character to character, and we learn these like small page or two each of like backstory and kind of mm-hmm. what's inside their head. And it's kind of that, that's a, little, a bit confusing to balance at first. But when the when the finally work we finally work out that they're a band that's mm. about to do a performance it all starts fitting into place. This was And a- it's
3: going to go somewhere heaps weird. Yeah,
2: definitely. Uh, so this this is, this is a little, little little surprise.
3: Yeah, I really enjoyed it. And it was really weird to read those one after the other and have them be such different books coming out from Image and both really enjoyable in different ways.
2: Mm. So two great number ones from Image. We we're going to try and read both of them, I guess.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I will.
2: Um, so we move over to Dark Horse now. Mm-hmm. Time for a disagreement over at Serious Issues, everybody. (laughs) Rebels by Brian Wood, Andrea Muti, uh, Lauren Affey, and Matt Taylor Uh, through Dark Horse. uh, This is the second series of Rebels, which is a historical epic of America's founding Rebels. Um, the first series is like an eight, eight issue series that, was, that dealt with the um, American War of Independence.
1: Did you read that?
2: No, I didn't. I okay. always wanted to because I like that, that, it's, it. Basically, it's, it's, a, it's a historical fiction that yeah. kind of makes up a story set around you know, important events in history.
3: And I love historical fiction, just um, as a caveat.
2: So th- that, that's the, the first series was set in the 1770s and uh, was about Seth Abbott. Um, who, like you know, was was someone who fought in the uh, the, independ- the the American War of Independence? Is that what it's called? I guess, yeah. Sure. <laughs> uh, and now this this book um, takes takes place in the 1790s, and we see um, John Abbott, who is um, Seth's son, who mm-hmm. is obsessed with boats. Um, Seems
3: like on the spectrum.
2: Yeah, definitely. But this is about the formation of the American Navy. Um, and uh i loved this so much <laughs> so i'm i'm curious as to why you did not
3: um, i just didn't I, it didn't it didn't grab me i don't know like maybe this is just a period in history that i don't find that fascinating um i think it's always I don't know. I don't know what I. I don't know what I wanted. I don't know what I expected from this comic. But I didn't love the art right. so far. Just like the formation of a navy wasn't that thrilling to me. Without
2: this book, without this, you don't get Village People's best song. Give <laughs> it that
3: way. <laughs> That's a great point. I'm on board now. Um, um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I mean, what did what did you love about it?
2: I guess I. Lo- I mean, I love. I love. That, like it's it's a it's an area of history that i have you know the the 1700s it's very rarely chronicled in mm. uh, in in especially in comic especially art especially in or, comics um because all the gothic and you know fun stuff happens in like the 1800s and then the early 1900s really yeah like so mm. I, this is like you rarely read stuff from this era mm. um and uh it's i mean it's pretty fascinating because you have the these you know it still is like it's a character driven story but it's them reacting to these events that actually happen so you, you you learn while you engage with the characters I guess and i i really I, I was intrigued by this you know this 10-year-old boy who his his father is so aware that he's unlike any other 10-year-old boy and that you know if he is if he speaks as much as he does Around others that he does to his parents, they're going to like actually have a problem with this kid because he's so fucking smart. Mm. Um, and he like he's so obsessed with boats that he, he like you know his mum shows him like silhouettes of, of cards on boats, and he can tell you the make, the year. How many um, people work on it? Yeah, and um, at one point, like escapes to start building his own boat. So um, this this kind of ends with him being enlisted in what will become the the navy, I guess. Mm. Um. And yeah, I, I like the flitting between this very personal story about this, you know, family that's had a lot of hardship, um, and 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 their, their son who is obsessed with boats, and then going to you know we see a lot of Alexander Hamilton and uh, a lot of talking with with American government about like you know stuff that's happening on the on the coast of America and the need for an army. If, I mean, like, look if you rolled your eyes and looked at something else for the last minute (laughs) that I was talking. This book's not for you but there's something so appealing to that for me.
3: Yeah, I think and this could be like being really unfair of me um, and it probably is but I guess I don't find like a book like the only female character in this is his mum and she is now out of the story and I understand that that's like how the story happened. I understand that like history was not written by people of colour or women in this period, but I just feel like these stories have been so well served in every possible medium that, like, I want to I, – I would like a different – Cake, sure, almost. Uh,
2: I know. Yeah, I would. I, I have a superpower being a white dude. Uh, who <laughs> I will just accidentally like until someone brings my attention to that. I'll be like, oh yeah, whoops. But
3: it's <laughs> not like it's not. You know, I don't think that you have to have women in a story to make it compelling or anything like that. But this one, just I was like, I don't care.
2: Yeah, I mean, you could argue that he's trying to go for something a bit more historically factual. Absolutely, I've not Which read. I've not read a story about a kid. In yeah the, like you know, he grows <laughs> yep. up in the in, in the in the navy but
3: But now he's an adult. If he'd gone um, into the navy as like a super autistic kid and was like I'm the autistic kid who will save the navy and make a boat for you. Well that so would be yeah, amazing. I
2: mean I, I want to know what this kid is like as an adult so I am I'm, I'm compelled to definitely not only to read the rest of this series but I actually want to read the first rebels too. Mm.
3: Um I am interested.
2: His mother comes across as a, like a very strong character. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, but yeah, you're right. She's out of it now. Yeah. Or <laughs> we we might check in with her. We don't I don't know. Uh, I'm absolutely going to read this. I'll let you know if it's good, Shimon. Yeah, thank you.
3: Please
2: do. <laughs> uh, over to IDW right now. We've already raved about the uh, Judge Dredd stuff they put out this week, but they also put out a bunch of other new books. Um, Helena Crash is uh, a new creator-owned book that they've put out by Fabian Rangel Jr. and uh, Warwick Johnson Cadwell. With uh, that's a, that's all. That's, that's who. That's a creative it. team. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, why don't you tell me what this one's about, Shimon?
3: So this is kind of like a. Um future set um, post well I guess I don't know if it's post it's not really post-apocalyptic just future set so this is like an earth where now there's like a whole bunch of different um, alien races living on the planet together and this is a planet on which um, coffee has been outlawed coffee that magical sweet nectar and
2: and, and lots of other things that we take for granted
3: yes but the focus of this story thus far is um, about coffee because the hero of our book is Helena Crash who is this kind of Sick motor car driving, um, tattooed, like, underground, what's the word? Courier, kind yes. of. So, she basically gets coffee from underground sources and sells them on to um, various... Underground figures. Yes. Um, I like this. Thought yeah, it was this a good, really I thought it was a really solid first issue. And it was really like, it seems like a silly concept, but it just worked really well.
2: My, my main complaint from uh, the book Motor Crush, which has similarities to this over mm. an image, was that the main character's name was not Motor Crush. But <laughs> this the, is the main book for character's you. name is Helena Crush.
3: Yeah. Um, and basically, it ends with her, this issue. Um, she takes some, takes some coffee to a like, really big wig underworld figure, and he's like, I want you to do a bigger job for me. Or I want you to. Is he, he want. Oh, yeah. She want, he wants the head of someone. Ooh, heavy. And Helena's like, I don't do that. See you later. Um, so but she's um, almost like I mer- don't think um, it's going to end there. <laughs> she's like a
2: mercenary courier who works for nobody. Yeah. For herself. Exactly. Um, uh, yeah, but this was a really great, vibrant world, um, really fast-paced. Um, you, you learn so much about... Everything very quickly, yeah, um, and uh, it was very well edited. I thought too, um, absolutely. and the art's Sarah really Gainer. like
3: um, the action scenes are really really dynamic. It's really stylish, like it has a really distinct look for the for this future city that mm-hmm. I think is really um, solid and really well thought out.
2: Yeah, the art was phenomenal too. So great, great, great. Really simplified colors too, reminded me a little bit of Headlopper.
3: Yeah, there was a cool, big, like, werewolf gangster guy. So many werewolves yeah. this week. I loved it. All kinds it. of crazy She punches. Well. She punches a guy who's like a puffer fish in the head and his head puffs up. That was great. That was a great panel.
2: And obviously she knew that was going to happen. Obviously. You'd hope so. <laughs> um, also from RDW this week was um, a one-shot. Uh, I don't know the full story about this. And, in fact, I'm quite new to Tom Scioli in general because mm. uh, I feel like the, the first, um, unless I've, you know, read stuff consequentially, um, like, you know, just uh, while reading other things... Um, is, that, is that the right term? Who knows? Who cares?
3: Coincidentally? Oh. Oh, yeah, yeah,
2: I guess so. Um, I, I mean, unless I've come across him kind of accidentally, I don't think I've really taken notice of him until he started doing the backups in the back of um, of Shade, the Changing Girl yeah. for Young Animal. <clears throat> um, and I love his stuff. I love his really muted colors and throwback art and just bizarre Lack concepts.
3: of narrative um, coherence. So
2: he did a um, a series for IDW called Transformers versus G.I. Joe. Um, which was like like a 10-issue miniseries, and it was pretty well-received and completely batshit all over the place. Um, He wrote it with a a G.I. Joe writer, though. Uh, Before that, though, in order to get this job, they came across some work that he did for a book called Transformers vs. G.I. Joe the Movie. So it's the movie versions of both those franchises going against each other, and it's completely insane, Um, and they've finally collected it all together. I'm not sure if it's been printed elsewhere before this, but I read it, it is just, like...
3: There is something insanely, like, dreamlike about his comics that it doesn't really flow. It's like a bunch of kind of scenes happening, but you're so compelled to get through it.
2: And his, his actual artwork is so good. Like, so it's right good. Up my alley. And I love the colours especially as well. Like, the colours that you don't see, like, the shades of colours that you don't see in toy mm. books very often anymore because they they look like you know, what colours looks like in the Golden Age when they were printed on that yellowing paper. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, uh, I, I I, was... The action scenes in this is great. There's like so many funny and strange moments and then the backup material is great where you kind of learn a bit more about how this project came to be. Um, there's some commentary and then there's some initial sketches that uh, Tom Scioli did and some cool pinups. Uh, so if you're a Tom Scioli fan or, you know, like me, you've only read the Shade stuff and want to read more, this is a great, great, great thing to pick up. Four ninety nine dollars from IDW the official comic book adaptation of Transformers versus G.I. Joe, the movie.
3: So weird. So worthwhile.
2: Yeah. and uh, I, I, I think he's on like a Cobra, a series called Cobra, uh. which I really want to go and sh- check out. Actually, you know what? I think he did a um, like a gangster rap series that I picked up zines of oh. years ago. I think it might be Tom Scioli. And I think that's where I've heard of him. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, he's absolutely, he's someone that, um, that fits into uh, that kind of fanographics mold. Um, okay, no, it definitely wasn't. I'm thinking of somebody else. There's a gangster rap weird comic book. Gangster Rap Posse, that's what it is, mm. um, and the name of it. I, I bought it when I was in LA at an um, independent comic book store, and there's two issues of it, and it's completely off-the-wall weird. Um, who is it by? It's, it's described as an Elseworlds tale in which NWA become the biggest, like, rap group in the world. Uh, it's by Benjamin Mara. He okay. did Cobra. I get, I get him and uh, Scioli okay. uh confused all the time. Anyway, that was a weird little segue I did. Mm, there you go. I like this book a lot. <laughs> did you read Ghostbusters one oh one? Um I did. Well, man, did you wish you didn't read it?
1: I
3: did.
2: Is that the end of our review? <laughs>
3: <laughs> Maybe. I'm not a, like I'm I've I've seen Ghostbusters and that's about the extent to which my
2: The Eighties Ghostbusters or the Ghostbusters from last year?
3: Uh the eighties one, I haven't actually seen the other.
2: Eighties or the ladies.
3: Eighties, eighties all the way. I hate ladies. <laughs> Not true. Um
2: so much to my surprise there is a coming together of uh the Ghostbusters movie from last year that had the um the Kirsten Wig and um Kate McKinnon and um Leslie Jones uh etc teaming up with the 80s Ghostbusters that fat guys love <laughs> <laughs> um there was the critical reception or like i guess critically it was actually was received better than most superhero Mm. movies last year but you know the fan reception to that movie was very toxic yeah so it's very surprising to see them put out a comic in which the two worlds come together and these characters supposedly interact spoiler alert they don't interact
3: not yet anyway we are assuming that they will but there was a lot of um like there's a I don't know if these are all characters that come from the comics, because there have been Ghostbusters comics for a long time, Mm. but there was a lot of, like, extra characters, and it took me ages just to read the, like who everyone is, Page, and try and that, get my head around it. That's an ongoing it.
2: theme in some of the comics we're about to review, actually. Yeah. There was a lot of just like, oh, man. Like, yes. I don't, do we really need to remember all these characters' names? Um, I thought this was a really slow-to-read comic. I, mean, I guess if you're already a fan of the, the comic book franchise, yeah. you'll enjoy this. I, I think that's who this is for. Didn't connect know? with the art. I, I thought it was weird that the likenesses for all the girls was pretty bang on, but then none of the... <laughs> like, the Dan Aykroyd one doesn't look like Dan Aykroyd at all. It doesn't look all. like Dan Aykroyd. Um, uh, I would
3: love it if it looked like Dan Aykroyd now <laughs>
2: <laughs> man his cameo in the Ghostbusters movie from last year is so bad oh really yeah. uh, does he <laughs> so, just try so and bad. sell you some vodka uh, no at one point they try to get a cab and he goes like I don't go downtown and I ain't afraid of no ghosts and drive oh, myself it's so geez. bad so bad um, so yeah this comic uh, is not one that I'll be continuing how about you Shinberry? Uh no, no great. For me. Just Not great fantastic uh, another valiant book. I teased it earlier. It's a zero issue, which kind mm. of counts into first things first. Uh, Bloodshot Reborn Zero by Jeff Lemire, Renato Guedes, and Andrew Dollhouse. Um, this is less of a zero issue and more of a wrap up of the storyline of Bloodshot USA. Yeah. So a criticism of it is almost invalid. Continue, Siobhan.
3: <laughs> I enjoyed it despite all that. It kind of like it. You know, it definitely puts you in the middle of like, oh, okay, there were all these other. Bloodshots, one of whom is like from the Vietnam War, one of whom looks like he's like a sort of seventies black exploitation character, one of whom was like a Soviet era exploitation character, um, and then the regular bloodshot has knocked up his girlfriend, and he has a dog that's a bloodshot as well. And despite how like nuts and confusing that all sounds, I thought this was like a reasonably well told issue, and I enjoyed it, and I think the art's really good.
2: Yeah, and it's a precursor for the next big uh, uh, Bloodshot book. Um, I'm not sure who the creative team on it is, but it is called Bloodshot Salvation. And it looks like they're going to skip straight away to Bloodshot having a little boy.
3: Which I love. If there's one thing I love, it is a superhero um, hanging out with a small child. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so we have that issue one to look forward to in a couple months' time.
3: Also, I love it because he's standing in the snow, um, no shirt on, and just with like a cape.
2: That's what a good dad does. Absolutely. IT, The Secret World of Modern Banking by um, Scott McDaniel with uh, Andy Owens and Teodoro Gonzalez, uh, created by Dimitrios Zarahakaris. Um, this is uh, the most introductions to characters I've ever seen in one comic book. Mm. On one page, we are introduced to 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 different characters and their roles within this bank. Yes. And... Um, and uh, I kind of tried to get through this as breezily as I possibly could. There's some pretty offensive moments of uh, uh, of like stereotyping yeah. um, that I have not seen since the '90s. <laughs> um, and uh, the story failed to grab me. It's about like a guy working in the IT department of a banking uh, of a bank, mm-hmm. and uh, the bank's in bed with with mobsters. There's someone trying to sneak in.
3: I found this like I found this endearing because it tried so hard to make IT cool, and it seems (laughs) like it's been written by someone as like a, guys, we need more people doing IT. Go to uni because you could stop some mobsters from fucking up a bank as well. Um,
2: Dude gets a shit beat out of the uni. Yeah, I I know. Be an IT guy, and he's got
3: terrible facial hair. Really poor face. Oh, real, hair. real real pencil thin
2: all around the mouth. Yeah,
3: it looks like he's like a ventriloquist dummy or something. <laughs> um yeah, this wasn't this was confusing and not very good. I I like this is right up my alley. I'm I'm anti big business. <laughs> I'm anti banks. So like This is anti banks. It seems like a corrupt bank. You know what <laughs> I mean? Um but yeah, it just heaps weird. They have so many cool nicknames for the IT guy whose name is Adonis. As if if you knew someone called Adonis, you wouldn't just call him that all the time in a mocking way.
2: Um, Gareth from King's Comics is very good at um, kind of screenshotting the weirdest um, blurbs on the back of comic books. And so after... Uh <laughs> <laughs> sorry that's really good um, after the, on, on the back of this issue there's like you know there's, like, there's a compliment IT is a series that explores the corrupt world of the banking industry as it follows its protagonist Evan an information technological te- technology professional what's really oh, a compliment
3: name, just a description and his name isn't Evan his name is Adonis oh
2: at some point it's Evan
3: though oh, what
2: <laughs> um, but then it also has like in, like <laughs> a, a, a direct <laughs> quote from cbr.com Scott <laughs> McDaniel announced as IT writer slash artist
3: <laughs> That's not a poor quote, guys. We knew that because
2: it says his name on the front.
3: (laughs) I love it. I love that so much. Very weird. Adorable. Really endearing, but not effective. (laughs) I don't think, guys.
2: Um, Adonis. I can't even. Yeah, Evan Adonis. His name is. Yeah. There you go. You'll never have to read it again because I'm I'm not reading a second issue. No, I won't. Also, not reading a second issue. Hate myself. Of Anno Dracula by Kim Newman and Paul McCaffrey uh, from Titan Comics. Maybe you're a fan of the Anno Dracula. Novels.
3: In which case, you should read this comic. Otherwise, I wouldn't bother.
2: This made no sense to me whatsoever. I know. I
3: had to go back and check. Like it was one of those ones where I was flipping back and forward because they have the, you know, introduction page for the four leading female members of that this book is about. But I constantly had to like flip back and forth between pages to make sure I was reading it right, to make sure that people were who I thought they were. Like, okay, this is an involved universe. I'll walk you
2: through this comic. First page you open, and there are uh, four pictures of four women with mm-hmm. a long paragraph describing who they are with their names. Mm-hmm. Then you turn the page, and we have a uh, an entry of the journal from Dr. Van Helsing, mm-hmm. and he then introduces within his journal entry one, two, three, four, five characters who then go into war and aren't seen again in this issue. <laughs> um, then we go to Soho in London, and we are introduced to the Council of the Seven Days, which is one, two, three, four, five, six different characters who are introduced to, and then a seventh on the next page.
3: It, like, I like, And an,
2: an, an then we hit the middle of the, of the comic.
3: Yeah. I think that the best thing about this is I quite liked the art. I think that the art is pretty good and, like, some good, solid character work, although the women do all have the same face, which does make it even more confusing and why I had to keep skipping back and forth even though some of them have glasses
2: there's one page where it suddenly switches to this much more stylized kind of art that reminded me mm. a lot of um, Gabriel Rodriguez who does Lock and Key I loved that but uh, no the rest of it wasn't my thing uh, yeah, I won't be reading any more of this.
3: Yeah, look, I think this is this is just one of those ones that like we aren't properly equipped to do a proper review of it because we haven't read the whole novel series that it's based on.
2: And no Dracula? More like, uh, no Dracula.
3: Oh, nice.
2: <laughs> Thanks, everybody. That's uh. LevDove on Twitter. <laughs> um, and finally, I read uh, a book that was handed to uh, the staff at King's Comics. What's that address again?
3: If 310 they, Pitt Street.
2: We can find any of the comics that we talk about over at King's Comics. And you can maybe find a copy of this, too. Um, uh, a, an artist from Canada
3: who's
2: uh, on a holiday in Sydney at the moment handed over a few copies of his comic book, The Last Paper Out, um, from a uh, a publisher called Decent Comics, which I assume is also his publisher. Um, and uh, yeah, we have uh, so it's Sean Jordan, Alex Kennedy uh, on Story with art on this one by Dave Howlett. This is The Last Paper Out 1, and I read most of 2 as well. Um, and it is like a fun kind of like 80s attitude filled. Uh, book about, like, an action comic about two guys who are on, have a paper route and, like, deliver papers for a living, but then they uncover, like, a whole bunch of weird crime and there's, like, a bunch of, like, w- weird passengers under the ground and fun people they look up to and car chases. Um, it's goofy fun. It's pretty well done. Black and white art. I'm um, pretty competent. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I got a kick out of reading this. It was pretty fun. Nice. So you can find uh, this, I guess, if you look up Decent Comics decentcomics at gmail.com is uh, who you email if you want to check out a comic called The Last Paper Route. Mm. Um I thought this was really fun the backup they have a backup called uh, Grandpa Funny Book which is like this funny kind of like Stanley riff that they do oh, it's nice. pretty great um, mm. so yeah uh, always if you're in Sydney drop your comics off to kingscomics.com and tell, tell them to give them to me and Siobhan and we'll, we'll read them and talk about it on the show Yes. Or just email us, serious issues at kingscomics.com. Absolutely. So that is a very long edition of uh, First Things First. We're already 45 minutes into this show. Jeez, Siobhan. guys. But I could not be more excited for the next rest of the show <laughs> because uh, we used to have a very, for the last 52 ish episodes, we've, mm-hmm. uh, we've played a very popular game mm. called Flip a Coin for Marvel or DC, in which we flip a coin and that decides whether we'll review Marvel or DC next. Last week, we had the uh, realisation that we love reviewing image books the most. And why make us wait for that every, every single week? So we thought we should be called a Coin for Marvel, DC, and Image. Problem being there is uh, the, the coins don't have three sides.
3: It's a huge problem.
2: So I put it to the Serious Issues Facebook group, which you can join by heading to facebook.com slash group slash Serious Issues podcast. What the heck should we do? Is there such a thing as a three-sided die? Turns out there is, but they don't have it in stock at Games Paradise across (laughs) the road from uh, King's Comics. So I bought a regular six-sided die, Siobhan. Mm -hmm. And so now this beloved segment is going to be called uh, Roll the Dice for Image, Marvel, and DC.
1: It's just as catchy.
2: (laughs) So if you've got a real problem with that, let us know at the uh, various social media accounts we can be found at. Uh, But uh, I guess one to two, if I roll it, is Image. Three to four is Marvel and five to six is DC. Sound good? Perfect. All right, I'm going to roll this. You can roll it next week, all right? Three. I can't remember what that was. Marvel. Marvel. All right, <laughs> we're going to review Marvel first and then we're going to review six DC and then fucking Image Blast, <laughs> damn it. I hate this system. This is the worst. <laughs> the worst. Anyway, let's review Marvel. All right. <laughs> um. Should we start with the good or should we start with the bad, get it over and done, nice and quick, and then just revel in the good stuff?
3: Um, yeah, that sounds good.
2: Um, oh, but I want to talk about Thor.
3: Okay, <laughs> <laughs> then right, let's just talk about Thor. We've
2: got the fifth issue of The Unworthy Thor from Jason Aaron and Oliver Coypel, uh with a few filling artists, Kim Jacinto and Pascal Alix, uh, plus Colours by Matt Lopez and J. David Ramos. Um, this was the, uh, like the mini-series that told us why Thor was not worthy at the end of Original Sin. Mm -hmm. And uh, instead of being this, you know, massive like thing that he was told that kind of, you know, made him like, you know, Nick Fury whispers something in his ear at the end of Original Sin and and suddenly he's not worthy. And that's how we get Jane Foster as Thor now. um, I thought, you know, I I guess I was expecting it to be like this epic, like, oh my God moment. Mm. But instead it's like, it's a very personal um, secret that's t- that's told to him that makes him realize that he does not see himself as worthy. Mm. And uh, there is a lot going on in this book, but I thought at the at its core, I loved that. I loved how personal it was. I loved how it ties into the very first issue of uh, Jason Aaron's Thor run mm-hmm. with Gore. Um, and uh, I just thought this was this is how you do like a, a mini event.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I think that like th- there was a bit. Like, I I liked it as well, and I thought that that was, like, they couldn't have really done anything else with that secret, you know? Like, it, if it was something more world-shattering, I think it wouldn't have been as effective. Well, yeah,
2: so, the, and, uh, so Marvel are great at not being as effective, usually, so I was expecting that.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I never really thought that it was going to be something that like huge. Like, you're a scroll. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah this was like this was a really nice finish to this series it's set up a whole bunch of really great stuff to happen in the Thor universe um, coming up mm-hmm. I really uh-huh. liked the new team up of um, like we find out who the Asgardian voice that's been um, talking to Thanos is um, which doesn't really fit in with the whole Thanos is dying story arc but what are you gonna do continuity guys um, but that I mean spoilers guys but that's um hella yeah. Hello. Queen is gonna, of Niflheim. And she's going to be <laughs> the main
2: the main bad guy in uh Thor um Ragnarok when it comes out this year.
3: Yeah. Cate Blanchett looks like unrecognizable and amazing. <laughs> anyway, and then cuz she's pretty much like death kind of and so then she and Thanos make out, which was great. Um Also, how funny is Niflheim as a place? Yeah. Sounds silly, hilarious.
2: I also love that this end this book ended uh, with Thor partaking in uh, my favorite Thor activity, which is drinking an insane amount of booze. Yeah, like he's like he really feels like he's earned it. <laughs> like that's this is the only thing that needs to be done is drinking. Um, and I am excited to see who the uh, whoever the hell the ultimate Thor is going to be.
3: Yeah, War Thor, great. it's going to be a
2: character that we already know or someone brand new?
3: I think it's going to be someone we already know.
2: Okay, that'll be fun. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed. Uh, beat Ray Bill in this as well. and I hope he sticks around for the Thor comics too. Yeah, same. Uh, Jason Aaron's Thor comics, far and away the best thing Marvel have been doing the last few years.
3: That's a big call.
2: I mean, what, what would you say is better than it overall? Like as a whole, like we go right back to, like I think that was like one of the very first Marvel Now books was his thought. yeah like as a, as a
3: continuous run it's been like consistently excellent but like we've had the vision we've had other like amazing books yeah, I know, come but, through Marvel but I mean
2: like for that long period of time
3: <laughs> you just want to always say things are the best and I refuse to say it it's good it's excellent it's very very good <laughs> I love it it's the best <laughs>
2: Siobhan told me earlier before we hit record uh, what else should we review you can you can pick the next one Siobhan.
3: Um you know what I thought was a really great issue this week was and- it
2: great or was it the best
3: <laughs> Um, and that, like, does something, like, a pro- approaches a topic that is, like, contemporary um, and does it in, like, a clever, intelligent, sensitive way and doesn't like, like, as opposed to, say, Mark Wade's Champions. Um, and is, like, something that I, I should have expected from um, Matthew Rosenberg by now, but I still didn't. Um, the latest issue of Rocket Raccoon. The book
2: that, that surprised the hell out of us for just yeah, being as good as it is.
3: With George Coelho. Coejo. Coejo. Um, this book basically... I think it's like
2: Jorge Coejo. It's a good
3: name, guys. <laughs> um, and so this book, like, you know, has Rocket Raccoon fighting Craven the Hunter, which is excellent. It's got so many, like, funny laugh-out-loud moments. Rocket accidentally destroys the Statue of Liberty, which is excellent and hilarious. But in the end, it turns into a book about refugees. And deals with um, that kind of concept in such a, like surprising brilliant way um and it was so clever and i really enjoyed this yeah
2: because rocket raccoon is just one of many aliens that um shield and earth don't want to deal with properly so they just get stuck on a refugee camp yeah
3: because they don't earth doesn't have the the like facilities and the the um you know firepower to get them back into space where they're from but they also don't want them just like hanging around and so they just put them in a camp
2: and uh, refugees, is, 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 yeah, like, like you mentioned, it's it's been slightly kind of referenced in uh, Mark Wade's very heavy-handed um, champions run, and all even poorly, even more poorly handled in the uh, current uh, Mighty Captain Marvel run. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, yeah, I think you know it, it, it was done really, really thoughtfully, while also still. Maintaining a sense of comedy in this book.
3: Absolutely. And, like, I think this is one of those situations in which, like, sometimes I think that the Captain America books currently reference things too explicitly Mm -hmm. um, in a way that kind of takes away from the power. And, you know, having this be about aliens, um, while that shouldn't, you know, we should be able to empathize with (laughs) humans normally, I think this does a really incredibly effective job of getting their. Getting the point across without being, um, you know, overly preachy or... Hit you over the head. Yeah, exactly. I think I think it this lets is... Just let
2: Rocket get, get in the head for you.
3: It is a shockingly clever book and the art is brilliant and also Rocket Raccoon fights Kraven the Hunter.
2: Yeah, so good. Brilliant, um, I love it. Unfortunately, like, what, maybe the second last issue of this as well?
3: But I think it's good. It's like just a solid little mini-series. That'll be a really great, you know, just excellent trade.
2: Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Um, what did you think of the final issue of the Uncanny Inhumans that not only signifies the final issue of this series, but the final Inhumans book that Charles Soule, or Soule, as he's come to be known on this podcast, <laughs> um, has worked on since he started over at Marvel with Inhuman? Um,
3: I, I liked this. Yeah, I, mean I so. thought this was a good, a good little send-off. Um, I thought it was really funny. Um, Maximus the Mad is a character that I think um, Soule writes really well because he doesn't, you know... Like, I didn't see any of this coming. I didn't... Because this whole way through this arc, we've assumed that Maximus was creating Terrigen. And then at the end, he's like, actually, I created a big Terrigen-powered robot. Yeah, with a Terrigen That's sword. That was hilarious.
2: Yeah, it kind of... It, it ends with him kind of just solving all of his problems, mm. but not really helping the Inhumans at all. Um, but everyone can't hurt him because he's the only person that can make Terrigen crystals. So he's just kind of sealed himself a spot in like, you know, in the inhuman future without having to do anything. Good old Maximus the mad. Then we get like this weird little, uh, cause yeah, this week, um, or next week, the, uh, in prime book comes out. Uh, so that's the new kind of reset button on the inhumans or like number one for in humans written by Al Ewing. Okay. And so, yeah, Charles Saul kind of soul says goodbye to these characters, uh, Mainly, the, it's the you know the reu- reunion of um, of Medusa and Black Bolt. They're they're back together again. Forget Johnny Storm, everybody. See
3: you later, Hotshot.
2: Um, and we kind of see them looking back on what an insane year they've had since they've been written by Charles Soule, um, and now they're looking forward to the future. Inhumans Prime out this week.
3: Cool. I'm going to check it out. I guess we have I to. <laughs> that is the rules.
2: Uh, What's her name? Um, Mariko Tamaki, uh, issue four of her run on the Hulk this week with art by Nico Leon, colors by Matt Miller. Um, We still have not seen Jessica turn into the Hulk, Mm. even though the covers threaten it every single week.
3: Every single week. And Uh, she threatens it every single week.
2: um, But uh, this is absolutely a kind of like, you know, an exploration into people's inner demons, not just Jessica's, you know, inner Hulk, but also one of her clients... What, you, what did I say? Je- oh, Jessica, sorry. But close. Jennifer very Jones. Close. <laughs> um, yeah, Jen's, Jen's inner Hulk. We also see one of her clients, in a, inner a demons, like literal inner demons that she's yeah. letting out of her body as her life gets worse and worse. It's a very kind of quiet comic with big bursts of emotion and, and, and fire, but it's you know still as powerful as it was when it first started.
3: I feel like I'm ready for something to happen, though. A little yeah. bit. You know? Like, I'm still enjoying this book. I, st- like... My personal favorite She Hulk run was the Charles soule Javier, Javier Pulido, Pulido mm-hmm. run. Like, that's pretty much the pinnacle of what you Which can do like a, with She Hulk, Hulk a, a for me. A, a lawyer just lawyering. Lawyer, yeah. Just lawyering. I loved it with occasional, like, superhero madness. Um, and I like this, but it's not necessarily. This isn't a version of Jennifer that I recognise. It's like, I understand that she's going through, like, this kind of PTSD stuff, but um, it seems like a fairly drastic change in character. And I'm, I'm just sort of ready for the, the story to be pushed on a little bit, you know? I think I'm still we'll, enjoying I think, yeah. it, and I think the art's really solid. Um, but I just, um, I'm ready for it to, ready for some if, stuff to happen. I think
2: it. if she doesn't grow both uh, mentally and physically, <laughs> physically into a green monster uh, by the end of this run... <laughs> Like, I think, yeah, I think the next arc could get boring if it hasn't happened yet. But I, yeah. I, I assume that's going to happen either next issue or the one after.
3: In the next issue, the cover of the next issue is literally her, like, Grey Hulked out smashing the road, and I want to see that. I
2: mean, please. that's kind of been every cover of this series so far.
3: <laughs> but come on, do it already.
2: I'm um, into Star Wars stuff right now. Did you read issue two of Darth Maul by Colin I did Bunn not. and Luke Ross? You shouldn't have.
3: Good. I'm glad to hear it.
2: (laughs) I don't know why. I really didn't like the first issue, but I was like, oh, I'll I'll give the second issue a chance. Um, I guess if I was a a fan of the Star Wars Rebels cartoon, I would enjoy this more than I did because it introduces two characters that are from there, three characters from there. But um, uh, unfortunately, I've not watched much of that. And also, I don't like this comic very much, but at least it was less... uh, it, it, it definitely did grow the character of Darth Maul a bit more. So if you're a diehard Darth Maul fan or a fan of Rebels and want to see more of that universe expanded out, um, definitely keep reading this. If you are someone who just dabbles in Star Wars stuff when they feel like it, uh, you won't get a kick out of it. Hmm. The end.
3: Nice. It's Invin-
2: Invincible Iron Man, number five, by Brian Michael Bendis, Stefano Caselli, and Marte Gra- Gracia. You still reading this one? No, I fell off. Really? So this is, uh, you know, canonically, uh, I complain about Bendis a lot. But uh, I'm kind of liking this run a lot. It's just mm. it's just fun. It reminds me a lot of Ultimate Spider-Man when it started. Um, that is kind of what he's best at. Yeah, it's starting a superhero book. But um, while while we see the growth of Riri Williams, who is Ironheart, um, uh, kind of grow as a superhero and and you know fight her first villains with help from. Um, Different people in the Iron Man universe, Pepper Potts and um, Sharon, artificial intelligence Sharon, Sharon Tony Carter. Stark. Well, we also see like the AI of Tony Stark is is missing for the entire issue, and then we see him show up at the end, and he might not be as good as we thought he was. Mm. Corrupted AI, anyone? Hopefully, fingers crossed. So yeah, even though this uh this book boasted uh, Ironheart posing for a photo with pretty much the entire Marvel universe, it was just carrying on the same plot from right. last issue <laughs> but uh, uh, on a on a whole I'm, I'm actually enjoying this series quite a lot oh cool I think it's just it's like nice and fun and quick moving
3: I really like the art and the, the art, art I mean, is th- like that helps. beautiful solid like superhero cartooning
2: yeah if they, if they like paired him with like Bagley or someone like, or a Cubit, mm. I probably would be less inclined to enjoy this yeah book. totally but uh, yeah, the art is dynamic and fun uh, Electra number two um, a surprise hit for me Matt Owens and uh, Juan Cabal on mm-hmm. this book with uh, Colours by Antonio Fabella um this is uh, a lecturer in a world that she's never really been in before in the comics. Uh, and that is an artificial world created by the Marvel villain arcade. Um, it's really, really fun and, and goofy and, and silly, which is not what I would ever expect from an lecture book, but it works. Yeah,
3: absolutely. I, although I did just realize I did the classic Chabon thing. of I read the first couple of pages of this and then forgot to read the rest. Oh, really? Got interrupted by something and stopped reading it. But the first couple of pages was really good, guys. Really solid. I really like the art. Uh,
2: yeah. So the, the, I mean, and it and it works its way to a really fun, um, really fun kind of climax um, and cliffhanger. Um, basically, she's stuck in a artificial murder world. That Arcade is the mastermind of, and uh, we've seen Arcade do this to most recently uh, Hellcat, and before that, um, there was the famous uh, Avengers Arena run, mm-hmm. where a bunch of young heroes got stuck in uh, Murder World, and it took them forever to get out. But I think Electra is capable enough of getting out quite quickly. So, mm. uh, and also it looks like she, that he, 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 he wants her to like kind of win, which is a fun little dynamic on this. Uh, he's also a very well written version of Arcade in this, like. It's funny in, 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 you know, lecture books are normally so dark and bloody and, Yeah. This is like, he's like so camp and colorful and and silly. It's great. And
3: everything's happening in Vegas, so everyone has like little magician mustaches and things like that. It's really good.
2: Real good stuff. There's actually a magician in it.
3: Oh, amazing. Don't get too attached.
2: His head explodes. Oh. (laughs) Uh, Captain America number 14, Steve Rogers, that is, Uh, Nick Spencer and Jesus Sayers. I am so fucking bored of this.
3: Yeah. This issue like annoyed me because this is something that I think we've seen Nick Spencer do like how many times recently where like so much of this issue was someone going around recruiting people yeah and just like a page by page like join my join my new hydra join my new hydra I can offer you this yeah and
2: while it is cool to be like oh cool these characters are going to be in, in this series now. I
3: didn't know who half of them were and Nick Spencer does that really irritating thing where he assumes that everyone knows every single obscure character that he knows and the only one that I properly recognized I think was Arnim Zola.
2: What about Gorgon from um, that Wolverine Enemy of the State run? No, not I haven't more, read that. really?
3: Okay. Like, at the very least put a caption that says who that person is because it is like I feel like <laughs> I feel like it's intentionally blocking out new readers in this way that is irritating to me, and just it's it comes across as like smarmy and irritating. I don't know, pisses me off. I don't yeah. like
2: it. Um, what you, would you we you, like that little paragraph beneath each of them with who they are and what well, their entire history? just we their like the name? Just if
3: they referred to their name at all, that would be great, you know. But just the assumption that we're all oh, going to they, know they're who
2: they're Kraken, it says, Arnim Zola, it says, Gorgon, it says. I mean, I look, I'm 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 not I'm not defending. I actually I could not believe we were getting another like, recruiting issue. I know, Doctor Faustus, um, <sighs> Faustus, whatever. Um, yeah, so we, we've seen we've seen Helmet Zemo do it like two issues ago. Mm. We saw Cap do it a few issues mm-hmm. ago. It's just an ongoing recruitment, and it just this seems like event. it just
3: seems like this sort of really. Um, like, Nick Spencer's just pleasing Nick Spencer kind of thing of like, I remember all these characters. I know all these obscure characters. Isn't everyone excited to see these two teams of totally obscure characters go up against each other that no one gives a fuck about? Like, that's how it came across to me. and meanwhile, <laughs> I'm way angrier while, about it than, while, I, than I was when I was reading
2: it. While that's happening, we have another version of Captain Marvel, which is just further damaging this character. who She wants to put a shield around the Earth. And this isn't impacting any other book, including her own or the other book she's in, Ultimates. It's mm. only happening here. She puts a shield around the Earth, and Captain America gets um, the new Quasar to use her con- quantum bands to destroy the shield.
3: But she can't do it. Quasar and- fails. But this is like the thing about the the shield around the world. is Obviously, it's going to be bad for some reason because Nick Spencer's version of Maria Hill came up with it, and she's just bad for some reason. Um,. But Captain Marvel's reasons for wanting to do it make total sense because there's like a Chitari.
0: Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices.
1: Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com.
0: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better?
3: Invasion that's been wiping out galaxies and is coming towards Earth. So it makes sense for them to want to do a shield. And Captain America has no good reason for wanting there not to be a shield, except for, I'm assuming, nefarious Hydra reasons. Yeah. Like.
2: You, well, you, I think you are meant to side with Captain Marvel in this instance, obviously, because mm. Captain America is evil.
3: Captain America is a Um
2: But yeah, I mean, there's a lot going on in this book. And it just feels like they're really just doing so much setup for this massive secret empire event. Yeah. Um, I wonder if the payoff is going to be good. I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> you said it, not me. <laughs> but I agree. <laughs> um, oh, man, you know what I love this week? I can't picture what I was earlier. Black Panther number 12. How great was this issue? So this is uh, the, the last issue of chapter one of ta Coates Coates' um, Black Panther run uh, that I was not cold on in those first few issues, but I was just waiting for it to grab me. It didn't. Mm. But I really, I, once I got in the... I got a better idea of the tone of this book overall. I think it's 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 the wordiest comic that Marvel are putting out.
3: Totally. But you know what? Like it is it is really wordy and it's really intellectual, but it doesn't like it doesn't talk down to you, you know? No,
2: it's extremely high concept philosophy um, mm-hmm. and uh, you get incredible sense of the ideals of all of these different characters. Um, in, in 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 this Wakanda that um nehisi Coates is kind of you know like I guess created. This is a very different Wakanda to the ones we've seen in previous mm. incarnations of Black Panther. Um, this ends with like the most the the first time he's like done fan service. I feel like I, yeah. I did not see that last panel. It was coming, so great and it was so fantastic. Um, so I don't know if. Uh, when this series started I was actually considering waiting until this came out in trade and and, and reading it but if if you've been holding off until like a bunch of them came out digitally or Mm. you know even if you've been buying them month to month and haven't read them yet now is the perfect time to catch up on this series absolutely we have like a you know an end of a chapter Um, there's a Hilarious, just like one page cameo from Eden.
3: But also like in that one page, I wanted to say specifically, like I'm not quite sure because Brian Stelfreeze and um, Chris Sprouse, uh, so so phenomenal. Um, But Chris Sprouse share art duties on this. But that is the most I've ever seen Eden look like an indigenous Australian man.
2: Yeah, I totally agree. You know, like they've
3: actually differentiated his facial features to the point where you go like, oh, okay. Like I just thought that was, I thought that was really well done. Yeah. Um, and this is like, this was a really satisfying issue because we get to see like, <laughs> it literally is just people sitting around talking the whole time. But it's like, it's people discussing big matters of state and Anika and Ayo, you know, hashing out their problems with um, with T'Challa. It's so clever. Such a clever book.
2: I totally agree. Um, so, and, and I thought this would be like, now they're going to have a hiatus, but no, issue 13 is coming out next month. Uh, the, the, crew, the crew starts very soon, and um, the World of Wakanda book <laughs> returns um, in a few weeks too. So it's
3: so good, guys! I'm so happy. There's no
2: shortage of great Black Panther, and books that last page out. is
3: so funny. Just even the way that like T'Challa is standing as he presents himself to this mystery figure is. Uh, so Read good. this book, so we can Read talk it.
2: about the, the the last page at some point in the future. It's so so good. I it made me giggle. So I happy with it. this um, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur number seventeen. Another very fun book. Um, Which which features a character, uh, features the character that we were talking about on that final page.
0: Oh Oh, yeah, I won't say their name,
2: Um, but uh, this is um, Moon Girl teaming up with the X Men um, to track down Doctor Doom at some point in time.
3: And this is like this is a really solid um, X Men team. Like they just took some of the best X Men characters. So we've got like Colossus, Forge, Storm, old man Logan version of Wolverine. Given, granted, but Wolverine and Nightcrawler, and, and they go back to a mall in the '80s, which is just like every amazing X-Men comic of all time. I loved it.
2: The this is probably the best-looking issue of Moon Moon Girl I've seen in a while as well. Like the, I mean, it always looks good, but the. The art and colors and it's just really popped. They really get the, to let loose. Yeah, because the eighties, the eighties is, is absolutely where this this book should be set. I think.
3: <laughs> and they go back into all of the like all of the um, classic eighties X Men costumes. And just Devil Dinosaur, they've given such a like hilarious personality to him. Um, just like physically, the way that he kind of moves himself, almost like he's like a big cat. Who is a bit embarrassed of how big he is? Like yeah. it's just—it's so clever. It's so good. I love. Also, it.
2: he and Wolverine team up for a fastball special.
3: Yeah, like amazing. Which I uh, love. Which this. could have
2: only been better if Wolverine somehow threw Devil Dinosaur. But yeah. We can't, have <laughs> we can't have it all. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I think you know, this is the second last uh, issue of this. Um, what's it called? The smartest. The smartest there is run. Um, it, and uh, looks like her going kind of one on one against Doctor Doom in the next issue, or oh, oh, her and Devil Dinosaur going two on one. I love it. Real good. Finally, I read the Ultimate Squared number mm-hmm. number five
3: mm-hmm.
2: um, by Al Ewing and Trevor Foreman. and uh, I was I was getting pretty cold in this comic um, with the last issue, but this one won me back over um, with all the all the bizarre spaceship that's going on, plus uh, yeah. some actual progress. When, instead of just like you know one one superhero team fighting another superhero team, they realize the the bigger things at stake and. Uh, we learn a lot about this guy Phil Phil vogt mm. um, which, I, which I enjoy quite a lot,
3: yeah, I think that this kind of combines elements of um things that I really love, like kind of superhero government agencies like Checkmate that have to oversee things and then um kind of insane high concept space stuff that deals with kind of lords of chaos and it it doesn't feel like an especially marvel book to me like there's something very kind of dc about a lot of those concepts um but i really like this i think it's really different and weird and enjoyable a solid issue
2: yeah, of the uh, two books that um, Al Ewing is doing for Marvel at the moment. Although he's, he's doing Inhumans Prime this mm. week too. But uh, Ultimates and USA Avengers is definitely my favourite of the two at the moment. But yeah. I kind of flitted between that and New Avengers. This and New Avengers when it was coming out. So who knows what. It'll all be in a couple months. <laughs> Those are all our Marvel reviews.
3: <sighs> you guys still with us?
2: We have to do DC next, don't we? Yeah. So, all right, Biggest problem with DC this week. I'm going to try and find the issues before I uh, talk about them. Well, okay. One... Okay, so there were one, two, three books that spoiled the final page on the cover this week. Like oh. so like the big reveal of Hal Jordan and the oh, Green Lantern yeah. Corps <laughs> yeah. is that um Kyle Rayner gets his Green Lantern costume back. He's a Green Lantern now. But the front cover is Kyle, Kyle Rayner in his Green Lantern costume saying, so, what you think?
3: Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point.
2: Um, the final page of Suicide Squad this week, uh, Harley Quinn got shot.
3: Oh, no. The
2: front cover is her shot with blood leaking out of her <laughs>
3: chest. I bet she's dead forever, guys.
2: Uh, no, she's not dead. She's just shot. Oh. Uh, and then uh, the final, final page of Batgirl this week was Batgirl sneaking into the Penguin's son's apartment and finding the penguin there. And the cover is her sneaking into a room <laughs> with the penguin behind her. So <laughs> I don't understand why they would spoil the cliffhangers. Like, and for it to be like a thing.
3: Yeah, yeah, like, that's like, real weird. okay,
2: Dan and Dio get something in the office. Okay, this week, is uh, it's a very cool week. It's called Spoil the Final Page <laughs> Cover Day. Um, so, yeah, I don't know.
3: That was a weird thing. Um, um,
2: do you want to talk about any, either of those three books before we move on to the other ones?
3: Yeah, well, uh, green. I I liked Hal Jordan the Green Lantern Corps. I'm kind of like I'm. I'm glad Kyle is just a um, Green Lantern again. Yeah, get rid of all the colors. Just green
2: and yellow. That's yeah, that's That's fine.
3: That's plenty. And I really like the um, conclusion of the Guy Gardner Aquilo kind of stuff. I think that's really fun that they're gonna like hopefully be a team. I thought that was um, really solid.
2: Yeah, I loved him. Kind of like. Confiding in him almost Yeah It so was really great After him beating the shit Out of him last time But yeah It looks like the blue lanterns are like Going um, And it looks like The the yellow lanterns Are becoming greens Reds are stuck on earth We might actually Only get greens That could be great
3: mm, That would be kind Death of amazing. to all colours That would be nice I would like that
2: um, If only But uh, yeah This is great You know It definitely feels like A core comic There's so many Different characters That they're balancing Within the, in the green lantern core At the moment So um, not only did this tie into a few other comics that came out through DC this week, um, because of the weird spoiler on the front for the back, um, this also tied into DC Rebirth um, in that Doctor Manhattan or someone from the Watchmen universe is controlling uh, this unit, this world. Doctor Oz, I wonder
3: Oz. who that could be.
2: Uh, and at one point, uh, when when Kyle Rayner is trying to bring back the blue lanterns or whatever, um, it cuts to like a bunch of different people. Like, as as his ring kind of fragments out and breaks, um, we we go to a dimension beyond space-time and we see Dr. Oz saying so many questions. So
3: many questions. Yeah,
2: we'll, we'll check in with Dr. Oz throughout other books. But yeah, How Jordan, the Green Lantern Corps was a good one this week. Yeah, I enjoyed that. Batgirl number nine by Hope Larson and uh, someone Wild Goose. I love that last name. It's a good name. Chris Wild Goose. Um, continued her kind of... Uh, is she or is she not going to date... Um, <laughs>
3: The Penguin's Illegitimate Son
2: And uh, Woke Larson uh, Added a few more <laughs> uh, Very contemporary Issues for Batgirl To uh, to deal with uh, She has a, her, Two of her Best friends uh, Trying to Become surrogate Parents hmm um, and uh, she had to give relationship advice for that.
3: I liked the inclusion of like, "Hey kids, sometimes free downloadable games are actually for companies that are trying to just um, store all your data that's and true. sell it to companies." Like, as this is a book, I would like I would say that this book is largely an all ages one. Like, this is a solid one to give to kids. Yeah, I totally you know? agree with you. Yeah, um, and I enjoyed that. Uh, I like it. I like it's silly. It's very silly, and it is a bit like issues, guys. But I don't think that's a bad thing. Um, and I thought this was pretty good fun.
2: Yeah. I th- I, I prefer um, Hope Larson's All Ages writing when she's writing an all-out All Ages book like Goldie Vance, though. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, I just just because I guess I already have an expectation of what Barbara Gordon is like. And sometimes, like, she'll say things that I kind of see as being out of character for her.
3: And this Babs is a bit of a killjoy. And yes. I think she always is. Because she's you? a bit of, a, like, a strainy 180. I'm a librarian. You know? Right.
2: But she was, like, a sexy wheelchair lady. <laughs> life, <so.
3: laughs> yeah. When she was in a wheelchair, she was heaps cooler.
2: Um, there's, a, I mean, there's a ridiculous I think it was in like The Battle for the Cow um, mm. And the, I think I bought the, the trade of that Has like this ridiculous Pin-up of Babs In a wheelchair <laughs> In the shower <laughs> <laughs> Which I just found So weirdly Like tasteless Is the wrong word Yeah like, it
3: Just heaps weird <laughs> Like guys. everyone else Gets a pin-up Why Yeah yeah it? It just, Absolutely like, very, very weird Anyway I love it
2: <laughs> um, So it looks like uh, Batgirl Having a discussion With a penguin In the next issue of this Fun <laughs> I Having a gonna, discussion. I wonder bit. if we're going to talk about apps. <laughs> I hope so. Um, and suicide. This, this Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad this week. It's still kind of carrying on the aftermath of the Justice League versus Suicide Squad with Squad with Rustum uh, and Amanda Waller may or may not be dead. Plus one of the newer members of Suicide Squad has been shot by um, uh, well, uh, injured by um, Captain Boomerang. Who's feeling remorse for that? Uh, who's it's, doing the art on this? So book? it's half done by Ramita Junior. Yeah, which I don't love. But then there's backup. Which actually is just part two of the same story, so it's, it's bizarre how they've formatted it like this. Is by Eddie Burrows, oh, okay. who we loved on Detective, and so yeah. it's good to see him show up here. Hmm. Um, yeah, it's this is a fun, fun run. Like it's just it's just nonstop move. It just moves very, very quickly. There are dumb jokes and moments, but uh, it's fun, mm. which is I guess what 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 the it's movie what the movie failed at doing. Yeah, so the, the, it's good that the comic is doing that. Hmm. Teen Titans number six, The Rise of Aqualad, Part One. Do you? Are you an Aqualad fan, Siobhan?
3: I am. This version of Aqualad especially, I was disappointed when he didn't really get a good run when they sort of decided he didn't exist in the New 52.
2: So I mostly know this iteration of Aqualad from Young Justice. Young Justice! I uh, love that the cartoon show. series. Um, has he appeared in comics like this?
3: Yeah, he, he appeared very briefly in like pre-New 52 comics, um, but then the New 52 happened and they just like, didn't use him for some reason. Right. And I thought they would like developing him in a really interesting way in the comics and I was disappointed. Um so I'm I'm super super keen to see him back.
2: Yeah, and this this has him we ha- he hasn't actually met the Titans yet. Um but uh he basically looks like we we introduced to him and uh having an argument with his boyfriend, unable to fit in, but pretty much just walking straight up to teen, to Teen Titans Tower um which is in San Francisco for some reason because it always has been is it really yeah 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 all right cool titan's
3: tower was always in san francisco
2: well there you go i'm an idiot i always <laughs> thought it was there is like this like prerequisite that always has to be one dc comic and one marvel comic set in san fran yeah, yeah at yeah. all times um
3: i think the thing like i've really been enjoying this series i think this um issue wasn't the best one ever for me because it had that kind of like introducing a journalist to the gang kind of thing happening in it, which didn't really feel necessary because we already know who the gang is.
2: Did it make you feel better when she was drowned?
3: Yeah, heaps better. That was way better. I was really glad. <laughs>
2: um, what about the uh, introduction of uh, a new bad guy, a very primitive-looking king shark?
3: Yay, I love king shark. I don't know about
2: This is not the king shark I know and love. Like, He wears clothes, for one. This guy's not. This guy's just shark with arms. But
3: he's been swimming. Okay. Also, you can't see you can't see his shock, Willie. All right, he could be wearing pants.
2: Okay, Ho- he's hoping he's wearing pants. And then yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, it's still really fun. Yeah, it's still fun. Good it's, fun. It's thought. just it's good to be able to describe DC books as fun.
3: Yeah, absolutely. even when they're not Agreed.
2: brilliant, they're just fun.
3: Yeah, like, I mean, this cover has Beast Boy as a dolphin on the front cover, (laughs) so that's amazing. Happy, smiling, green dolphin. Yeah, so good.
2: Uh, The Flash, number 19, um, Sins of the Father, part 2, by Joshua Williamson, Jesus Marino, and Carmine DiGiandomenico. It's a team-up between Flash, Kid Flash, and Captain Boomerang in the Australian Outback.
3: Looking nothing like the Australian Outback.
2: At all. It's just like, there's sand. It'll do.
3: Yeah.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Um. The main crux of this story wasn't that remarkable, but what I did like about this was that Barry finally told uh, Kid Flash or Wally uh, mm-hmm. who who he is. And yeah, re- took his mask off and revealed. And I thought that was a really sweet and cool moment.
3: Yeah, the rest of the issue I didn't really care about, but that little that little bit of character development I think was worth it.
2: What about the insane reali- like the insane insane reveal? Um, and again, this ties into uh, into Rebirth because it looks like uh, Wally West's dad, the Reverse Flash, is. Um, has been taken somewhere slightly to do with Dr. Oz, maybe. I don't know. I don't, I'm not sure Dr. Oz had anything to play in this part, but, uh, uh, we have the return of the reverse flash from flashpoint. Mm. Who was the guy who fought Thomas Wayne as Batman. Mm. So now, now we're going to tie into Batman 21 next week before we get that weird, the button crossover. These series are already crossing over together. So, Um, It's cool to see these comics Because in line I I would be less inclined To say that it was cool If I wasn't reading them all At the same time Yeah uh, totally Yeah Is that a character Coming back That interests you at all
3: No Not heaps
2: Yeah I don't know I I can't remember anything Of that Flashpoint Flash stuff I just remember how great The um, Azzarello written um, Thomas Wayne's Batman story was The three three issue mini That
3: was the main thing To take away from it I think
2: Yeah Uh, I don't know if we're going to get A a little Thomas Wayne flashback too Maybe he's going to come back too That would be cool That'd be weird. <laughs> Wonder Woman 19 by Greg Rucker and Liam Sharp with Colors by Laura Martin. Yes. Um, isn't that cool when I just like see that last name and I know what the first name is for colorists.
3: Yeah, that's pretty impressive.
2: So that's one of the few things that I've gotten out of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is the uh, the modern day um, continuation of the Wonder Woman story um, where uh, the Minotaur, comes in, what's his name, Ferdinand? Ferdinand. Reveals himself to Diana in a mental asylum and she uh, realizes that all is well and must continue the fight.
3: She remembers.
2: Um, and uh, I love that kind of like the main character in this alongside Wonder Woman is uh, is Cheetah mm-hmm. or um, what's her name? Barbara, Barbara and Um uh, And her kind of struggles with becoming Cheetah. Mm. Um, and uh, so she has to be rescued by Wonder Woman. Uh, but that's going to be hard because um, she's been shot
3: (laughs) (laughs) yeah this just continues to be such such a good series liam sharp is so excellent on it there's really interesting panel layouts in this which I'm, i'm not sure if i've just never noticed before or if it's just like extra extra noticeable in this um issue i like the flash like the sort of little peaks that we get of um what's going on in Themyscira and like the nice the kind of cool messages from the gods that they receive to know so they know that Diana is on the move and Diana is kind of sorted I like the weird artificial intelligence bad guy This like the, it's just and continues the, to be there's fun. all
2: parallels for, like every character in the modern run we've seen at some point in the one woman year one mm. issues as well. Um, so, we, you know, we kind of see their formation and, and uh, you know, their, their, how, they, how they began, the path that leads them to be a part of this story. Even the, even the gods like, th- that we see in the, in the form of the animal totems are the mm. same animals that we saw drawn by Nicholas Scott in, uh, in, like, issue five or whatever it was. Issue four, maybe. Um, and
3: man, Liam Sharp draws a beautiful Edda. Yeah. Like this version of Edda is so so good, so cool. And there's a couple of panels where she her face is so screwed up from emotion because she's so upset about what's happened to Barbara Ann, and it's just really brilliantly done.
2: Would you say this is the best book DC are putting out? <laughs> <her>?
3: <laughs> I don't know.
2: I'm gonna try and make you say something's the best before they issue I just I
3: I have to think about it so thoroughly, and there's so <laughs> many things I like.
2: Whereas I'm I'm like i I I when I say something's the best, I I just mean it's very good and yeah. I'm allowed to say something else is the best next week. It's the best this week. <laughs> uh Superman Reborn, uh continued in action comics number nine hundred and seventy six. Part four of this uh arc that I thought was gonna last much longer. But yeah, it turns was, out this is the end of it. Mm, and I, I was a little it, bit like it rushed a little bit. It rushed I I could have seen this, you know, strung out a little bit longer. Uh but yeah, we saw John um, John Kent versus Mister Spitlick. Man,
3: Doug Mankey is great. Doug Mankey nailed this issue. Definitely.
2: Um, But uh, this feels like a weird, like continuity fixer upper thing that I don't love happening in comics very often.
3: Yeah, Uh, yeah. It kind of like if I feel like if they'd strung it out a little bit longer, it would have seemed like a bit more of a story arc. In of itself, but because it was only a couple of issues, it just feels like okay. Now we just needed to fix this weird thing.
2: So, I guess the the Superman who who is in the universe at the moment after the New Fifty Two Superman died is a bit older. So is Lois, mm-hmm. and so in this, uh, they get lo- they get lost in Mitzel like Magic Dimension. But so too are the are the New Fifty Two incarnations of Lois and and Superman who are both dead now. Mm. Um, but he's able to bring back the new 52 versions and they don't remember him. They have no idea who the fuck he is. Um, and then he uses his emotions to bring back the souls of, of his actual parents who then merge with the bodies of the new 52 Lois and Superman. So now we have a more youthful version of Lois and Clark,
3: but he doesn't have a collar. So it's fine.
2: everyone. (laughs) He has a brand new costume actually. Uh, So that part of it is is a mess, kind of. Mm. I hate it when they do that. I just kind of
3: yeah. They just go like it's just merged now, and everything's fine, and don't think about it.
2: I kind of like if you just started drawing Superman and Lois younger, I wouldn't I wouldn't question that. Yeah. Um, But whatever, they're they're officially young, Uh, and that's what makes this a Superman Reborn story. It's a nice Mm. little uh, little continuity kick up the dick. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We also see a whole bunch of Doctor Oz stuff. Um, As Mr. gets warped to his chambers or whatever. Is that where he is? I don't know.
3: Uh, he just disappears. But he disappears, yeah. Mr. But Mr. Oz is watching everything. And for a second I was like, ooh, is he referencing Martian Manhunter?
2: Where the fuck is he?
3: Yeah, where is Martian Manhunter, John guys? John's. Um, Because there's sort of like a, a zoom out from the Earth and the moon and then into Mars. But then I realize they're probably talking about Dr. Manhattan.
2: So is that where he is? Is he on Mars?
3: you got to assume so, right?
2: Right. Wait, is it, So wait, maybe he's in prison, Martian Manhunter.
3: That would be weird.
2: That's where he's from. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> um, well, I guess we're going to find out at some point in the next two years.
3: But just like, <laughs> like there's some pretty dorky dialogue. Like, that family has done the impossible, proven that true love really can conquer all. <laughs> oh, okay. I mean, that
2: is, while it's happening, you like, you don't think, oh, this is dumb. Yeah. But oh, isn't
3: when- that amazing that true love conquers all?
2: Um, but, yeah, I think yeah the, the clunky continuity stuff and the tying in Dr. Oz, less of a fan of, but the overall story uh, in this um, was great, and uh, this has been a fun little crossover. Yeah. Looking forward to it getting back to normal, I guess, hopefully. More family stories, please. Yeah. Take them back to the fair. Yeah. Every, just like 10 issues of them going to different country fairs <laughs> and solving very low-risk low crimes. Yes, please. <laughs> uh, Detective Comics, number 953, this week, um, continued the League of Shadows story. Um, where uh, um, what's her name, orphan um, Cassandra Kane deals with the fact that her mother is Lady Shiva. Um, there's a whole bunch of fighting and people try and connect with Cassandra. Um, I like
3: that the only one who seems to be able to like get through to her, sort of get through her steely exterior is Clayface and they yeah. have a really sweet little relationship. and he like lets her go so that she can deal with things on her own.
2: But again, like their headquarters is infiltrated by more shadowy figures and everyone mm. gets taken down again. Mm. Um, it's starting to feel a little bit repetitious, but it's, it's it's still pretty fun. And then we have a big reveal that uh Ra's al Ghul has come to oh,
3: town. Oh, shit, you guys.
2: Um, it's cool that, like, you know how many batman villains there are in the world. <laughs> yeah. Like, like for them to finally use Rachel Ghoul and detective after I feel like, you know, Batman and um, all-star Batman have been mm. just like cycling through every five other. five bat villains of an issue. Yeah. Um it's good to see Ray show up. Mm. Yeah. Um not want to say more than that. More we, I got uh, I got Batman uh And Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, number five. Oh, yeah. Which is the um, team-up of the animated version of Batman, like the 90s animated series of Batman and the 90s animated series of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Uh, It's really, really fun and silly and, like, you know, the jokes don't always land, but there is a direct, basically, like, Michelangelo and, um, and Robin have to go from the Ninja Turtle universe back over to Gotham and there is a direct, like, Michelangelo in the opening titles of the Batman animated series. Oh, hilarious. Opening titles. Uh, and it's, it's really well stylized and, and really well done and I wasn't expecting that at all and I thought that was quite cute. Um, yeah, it, it, it's absolutely a, a kid's book, but the fact that it's referencing these two 90s properties, like, mm. you know, very, very exact 90s properties, I don't know if these, these references go over their heads, so I guess it is for adults after all. <laughs> Comics, guys. They keep you guessing. Uh, over to Young Animal now. And uh, we've got two two Young Animal books. Oh Wait, you've got, you've got Deathstroke.
3: Oh, yeah. I also read Deathstroke.
2: Stop checking likes. Sorry.
3: Shon. I'm so sorry. Um, uh, you know what? I've, I've got to stop reading this, or at least I've got to stop reviewing it on the podcast because every single time I just go like, what's going on? What's happening in this?
2: Yeah, I'm going to trade can this someone explain, Can people, someone people explain it Can someone explain it
3: to me? Run. Yeah, and I just wish that there was, like, a little bit more... I just want to be spoon-fed a tiny bit more, (laughs) guys. Um, But this has, like, Deathstroke teaming up with the sort of teen version of Power Girl, Mm -hmm. um, who I know nothing about, but that was quite good fun, except for the scene where they're dancing together, because that made me uncomfortable, (laughs) like the Judas contract. Um, Yeah, just someone explain this to me. The end. (laughs) <laughs>
2: i a young animal now. <laughs> uh, we had two books. We had Doom Patrol and Mother Panic. Which should we review first?
3: Let's talk about Mother Panic first. I caught up. Yay! I read
2: issue four and issue five. What would you uh, think? Well, I think the, the thing that me from really getting involved in this story was... Uh, not the story itself. I didn't. I don't think I liked Tommy Lee Edwards' right? artwork. Well, I, I loved to, to look at it, but I think dynamically and uh, his storytelling methods are nowhere near as clear as the artist on it now, Sean Crystal, who did this issue and the one before it.
3: I was really shocked by that realisation as well, last issue, because in the last issue it all kind of came together as a much more coherent story for me. Yeah. And I was like, I love Tommy Lee like Edwards, like his art's great, but... Um, yeah, this was. This is just like the last two issues have just made a lot more sense, and it's a really compelling story.
2: So it was either that, or maybe Jody Hauser got more editorial notes, or kind of responded to feedback. I don't know what it is, but this is now a really easy to follow book. Yeah, it's not the easiest of all the Young Animal books yeah. to follow. Holy shit, we're gonna talk about Doom Patrol in a minute on that. Gee moment. whiz, but,
3: um, <laughs> uh, heaps fun too. I really like this story.
2: Yeah,
1: um, it has
3: kind of overtones of like um, the that. The most recent Black Widow run with a kind of yes horrifying school, um, turning t- children into like assassins or scary. Yeah,
2: totally. And, and, and a superheroine kind of like living with the regrets of the past and mm-hmm. trying to do good in spite of those. But she is a very different character to Black Widow. her Yeah. Her motives still aren't clear, actually.
3: Yeah. I, it sort of is like, I think, I, I feel like her motives are revenge, which is kind of refreshingly clear and simple.
2: Yeah, and I love that, like, her alter ego is, like, it, there isn't a kind of, like, comparison point to Bruce Wayne. She's, like, you know, a rich kind mm-hmm. of a, a, She's a socialite, socialite. Um, but she just goes out and gets, like, wasted and makes yeah. out with people. Yeah. And, like, and like you can tell she kind of enjoys that part yeah, of it, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, this is, a, uh, this is a really complex book, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm really glad I stuck with it because mm. a few weeks ago, I was, I, when I hadn't read issue four, I was like, "Maybe hey, I just won't." Yeah, but uh, no, I'm, I'm glad I caught up with both. Yeah,
3: it's me. heaps worthwhile. I really enjoy this book, and I like this character who's like <laughs> they made him too beautiful, too yes. beautiful for anyone to look well, at. He went to the
2: same school that Mother Panic went to. Yeah, um, and I also love Mother Panic's mother.
3: Yeah, well. it's brilliant. Yeah. And the backup story Gotham Radio, um, I think, is exceptionally compelling. And I was trying to, I was trying to think of. Whether this is a DC character they've seen before, because there are definitely characters. There's definitely a character who doesn't have eyes who has shown up in other various like right mystical DC um, contexts, But I can't I can't think of who that was. But I liked it. I like this little backup. Amazing. Phil Hester's art is great.
2: Yeah, agreed. Um, Doom Patrol this week, issue number five. Uh,
3: what What is going on? <laughs> what is going on in this book? I didn't... Un- like, man, I want to understand this book so badly. Because the art, the art team of uh, yeah.
2: Nick Darenting and-, and Tamara Bonvian are so, so good.
3: So brilliant. Um, And, like, there's a lot of fun to be had in this book, but I find it, like, really, really hard to follow. Like, I don't know what's going on in this book. And I, like, I don't know if that's just, like you just need to accept that you don't know what's going on and you just need to go along for the ride or if I'm not understanding it or if it's going to read better in trade or what. But um, it, it kind of stops me enjoying it as much as I would like to.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's it's just this very weird kind of take on Grant Morrison's Doom Patrol. It's like a, like a, a tribute to it, I guess, where you have these slightly modern, updated versions of what he introduced there. I still haven't been convinced that like just rereading his run isn't the better thing to do. I think this, I agree. This I love the art on this more than mm-hmm. I loved the Doom Patrol art. Um, sorry, Grant Morrison's team, whoever, whoever he had, arc to arc, mm. but you know that was done in the late '80s, early '90s. So yeah, you know, the it was compar- a different different time. Comparing, uh, I love Tamara's, Tamara's uh colors on this. She's so good. Yeah, she's, she's amazing. so she's like. I think it would definitely be between her and her and Belair when it came to my favorite colorists. Yeah, They're two very different colorists too. She has such a beautiful kind of like poppy, poppy exactly Perfect. um
3: and l- this book always has something to like grab me like in the end it looks like they're reintroducing one of my favorite characters from grant morrison's run uh crazy jane mm-hmm. seems seems that way but um yeah it's it's a tough slog which is disappointing I, I find
2: it tough i just like for me i, I wasn't as lost i don't think as you but there are just moments that just kind of happen in this and where i find that funny and like the tom skioli I. Mm. Joe it does, in this, it's just like, well, what, what's what's the point of that panel? Yeah, like, like, absolutely. Just like things are just weird, and like there's like you know, like like goop on people's hands, and like yeah, like,
3: like I'm the best masseuse in whatever, and I have to massage this man, and with some goop on my hand, like it's just yeah. yeah,
2: it's it's just it's it's silly, but it takes it also seems to take itself very seriously. Yeah, and I think like this is for, for the least successful books in Young Animal for me, like I'm I'm, I'm actually I'm I'm now at that point with Cave Carson where I just, I, I have no idea what's going on in that yeah. book. And I know- I find th-
3: that way easier to follow than Doom yeah, Patrol. But I feel like,
2: yeah, but I feel like they're just intentionally like making it confusing for you. Hmm. Um, and it's like, oh, just live with it. It's wacky. But like, I don't know. I feel like Gerard Way is a writer- because he writes both of those books, yeah. I feel like his his kind of wackiness just feels way more throwaway and without meaning. Whereas, like you know, like the first issue of Shade, the Changing Girl, and Mother Panic, the first few of those, mm. I was like, "What's going on again?" But they're you know we're five issues in on both of those series, and like, I fully understand comprehend what, what where the story's Absolutely. going. But with these ones, it's just kind of like they're still doing those same cheap tricks that you kind of expect from a first issue. But I don't know, they're still around now. Mm. That's I'm still reading it. I still enjoy reading it.
3: Yeah, it looks great. And this week's cover was amazing.
2: Yeah, agreed. Um, Final DC book I read was uh, Future Quest, another Ah. book. Yeah, I I came back with this book because... uh, uh, one of our listeners, Travis uh, kept pestering me on uh, the Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash Bug me on there all day. I love it. Uh, and occasionally it'll just mean I, I read more books. Uh, and uh, he told me that the book has gotten really good and it actually has. It's kind of it's the exact book that I wanted it to be, except because I haven't read the last few issues. I was very lost, but the um, it's been written by Jeff Parker, the art on this from the, First page to the last is by Doc Shayner. Oh, amazing. Before this, he'd only done, like, I'm not sure, actually, if the, apparently it's in the last few issues, but I stopped reading it because he only did the first issue on, on his own, then it was all him, and then, like, weird backups, and, mm. like, when it was, wasn't even continuing the main story. It was, like, this weird anthology. But now it's exactly what I wanted the book to be from the get-go, These like, mishmash of all these um, strange Hanna-Barbera adventure characters, like, you know, working together. It's really fun, and there's a... I'm actually quite excited about the um, Adam Strange... Future Quest team up book happening this week.
3: Yeah, we get all of those like DC Hanna Barbera weird team ups next week, which yeah. i well, we, we, we can talk. In. We can
2: talk about those at the end of the uh, end of the episode. Mm. First, Shimon, we've got to review all the Image books that came hey, out this week. All right, what are we going to start with? Um, some good ones. A kind of quiet week for for Image.
3: Yeah, I don't know. What do you, what do you, like? yeah, what do you want to talk about? Okay. Let's talk about Black Road because it's just at the top of both. Our Black bars.
2: Road, which is uh, another book by um, Brian Wood, uh, with art by Gary Brown, um, colors by Dave McCaig, and um, lettering by Steve Wands. I love that he always like puts the creators in, on different orders on the front. He never puts himself first. I don't mm. know the weird weird thing that I keep noticing. He put the he put the letterist first.
3: Yeah, it's that's interesting. Yeah, I like that.
2: So this is the um. The, the, what's it was the crusades comic no i always say it's it's, it's, it's it's the pagans versus christian comic
3: yeah yeah pretty much
2: um and uh this issue um kind of basically saw like a a full on uh fight between a christian and our main character um who uh his 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 wife was a pagan but he still i don't know, he, he has christian ideals i guess mm. but he's like yeah a, a really strong fighter and he 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 wants to believe in in in, in the christian preaching so mm. he, he wants to believe that there is a heaven and uh the crux of this fight uh he like basically will, will let himself be killed if he if, if if this this holy figure that he's fighting you know, like with, like will, that he's allowing to fight him um if if he admits that his wife is now in heaven he'll just let himself be killed but he says that there's no that 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 you you, you go to hell where your wife was already in a very different hell and so he this issue ends with him destroying him. I kind of spoiled it. This is a great book. <laughs> it's a really good
3: book, guys. You should be reading this. The art um by Gary Brown is like exceptional. I think this is a great ex- like this is a kind of historical historical fiction comic that I really enjoy.
2: Yeah, agreed. Also by the guy who wrote the historical fiction book that you don't enjoy.
3: Isn't that interesting?
2: Very interesting. You know what else is interesting this week, Siobhan? Loose Ends number three. That was interesting. Uh, A four-part southern crime romance written by Jason Latour with art by Chris Brunner and um, colors by Rico Renzi. Um, We've reviewed the first two issues and this is the third of four. Um, This is a... uh, at times, very hard to follow, mm. but you know, it basically just doesn't hold your hand. It sends you to different scenes throughout time, throughout the story, kind of jumps from character to character and little these little montages. Um, but I, I never feel completely lost.
3: No, and I found this issue, like issue two, there were a couple of moments where I was like, what is going on exactly? But I think that like this issue I completely loved wholeheartedly, like... There were some really incredible sequences in this, like the um even just that first page those first three panels where we see one of our um sort of main characters naked drunk smoking by herself on a on a couch in a hotel, like just perfect yeah. so perfect like and the the whole sequence where they're sort of um you know high on a variety of drugs and in public and it's completely wordless, but like you totally. It tells a story so so clearly and um, really gives you a, a sense of what they're feeling. Like I think this is yeah such a brilliant comic
2: and it's really powerful. We, we kind of we we see one one character who's only only been introduced in the last issue. We see his backstory with the main character by having war flashbacks which are yeah. which are coloured and, and drawn differently even um, the, the art by Ivan Bronner is, is sensational in this yeah, book it's so really incredible it's so dynamic and and, and crazy and unlike anything else I've, 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 I've seen really mm. um uh, so, yeah, I mean, on one hand, this book has convinced me that Jason Latour is a very gifted writer, as he is an artist. Mm. But also, I want to find everything else Chris Bronner has drawn. Absolutely. So that's going to, I'm going to be on a hunt for that. I'm excited that the uh, the end of this book uh, reveals that um, not only does this next, the final issue of this come out next month, but uh, quite soon after that, we get the first issue of Jason Latour's next book that he's writing with um, Ivan Brandon and Greg Hinkle, who I'm mm-hmm. a massive fan of, who did um, Airboy, um, and Colours by Matt Wilson on this one. It's called Black Cloud.
3: And I've actually, um, I've already read the first two issues of this. Really? And it is Can I? very, very good. I'm not sure I'm trying to remember how I got that. <laughs> it might be through um, sneaky retailer things. But I do really highly recommend putting this on your pull list, guys. Um I think this is going to be a really enjoyable. It's a very weird, like, even in the first two issues, I'm not 100% sure what's going on or where it's going, but I have so much faith in Jason Latour that I think he is taking us somewhere very odd. It's very, like, magical fantasy, which is a bit of a, a, a vibe that we haven't necessarily seen from him. Uh, I
2: loved curse it. Words, Curse Words number three by Charles Soule and Ryan Brown. Uh, this was, I, I was considering dropping this, but this, uh, this issue convinced me not to.
3: See, I felt like this issue didn't totally um convince me to continue reading it. We're so different. We're so different.
2: <laughs> um Yeah, this is the this is the story of a, a wizard on earth who has uh, seemingly lost his powers um and has m- wizards from all over the the the, the universe coming to get him. Coming to get him to destroy him. Um That's all you really need to know. It's a uh, it's it's crazy. It's uh, got lots of weird throwaway joke moments, but um the, the the heart of the story is is quite fun. Um, I think
3: the moment where he discovers that there is magic on Earth by watching Titanic and crying at the ending is pretty funny. Yeah, that was pretty hilarious, and, and that
2: that that helps his beard grow back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you want, are you going to continue with this? Um, I'll keep going. Yeah, it's, it's 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 a lot easier to read than the first two issues were. This one was. That's why I liked about it. It, was, it was it was a bit more breezy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah uh do you read any no so i've got three books that you didn't read you you review the ones i didn't read first
3: um okay what didn't you read i am still reading the few which is one that um by sean lewis and hayden sherman which was a very confusing first issue but i sort of stuck with it for reasons that i don't 100 percent understand (laughs) myself um but i really enjoyed this this is a very kind of again another book that doesn't hold your hand um and kind of explaining what's going on but as it as each issue goes by and it's just going to be a mini series as far as i can tell um we're discovering more and more about these characters and we've learned that the the hero um or at least the protagonist of this book has a really grim past where she made some really bad decisions um and i really enjoy this the art's really different odd really scratchy kind of almost like um phil hester but scratchier almost than that, I uh, yeah, I really like this issue. I think it has a lot to offer.
2: So overall easier to follow than the issue? Is it, yeah, it's becoming – it, it's, it's just two or three? This is three. three right. So
3: it's just um, – it's still like there's still a lot that's unanswered. There's still a lot that's um, confusing. But I like the really muted color palette. Like we only get sort of black grays and reds um, throughout the whole book. And it's sort of becoming clearer and clearer as we go, what has happened to this world? And it almost seems like a post-judge like a post dread world or something like that, um, which is pretty interesting. I like it. It's a good series.
2: Um, so I read uh, Stray Bullets, Sunshine and Roses, number 22 by David Laffam, continuing... I This is like one of the last uh, issues of, of Sunshine and Roses, which is a uh, like a prelude... Um, to one of the bigger moments in uh, his original 40 issues of Stray Bullets. Um, But I did not expect it to go for as long as it has. It's introduced new characters. It's uh, strengthened and uh, grown on, like allowed the characters that I already knew to grow in ways I didn't think they could, Um, especially when I know so many of them die (laughs) uh, because it's a prelude. Um, But uh, this is, yeah, it's such a rich and... You know, it, it's just all every page is just you know eight panels. He's the king of the eight, pa- eight panel stuff. Um, it's beautifully drawn. It's uh, enthralling, and uh, I'm going to go into it in depth when the I think I, I, think, I assume this is only going to go till issue 24, but I could be wrong. It's, this could go for 100 issues. I don't mm. know, um, but yeah, it's 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 insane to me that like a prelude um, to an event that happens like 10 issues into. The first run of stray bullets has gone on this long, and it's still captivating. Yeah, that's really impressive. Masterful stuff.
3: Mm. Um, well, I also read Violent Love. Have you have you stopped reading that book? Should oh, I, okay. I
2: not drop it. I don't know. I, I just thought we, we, we fell out of uh, favor with it.
3: Um, I I sort of I find it consistently good enough to continue reading, you know what I mean? (laughs) If that's that's not the most um but I think it's like it's now getting compelling. Like we've this kind of wraps up the first story arc and I kind of thought it was just gonna be one little story. Um but now we realise I'd almost forgotten that this whole book was an old man telling his granddaughter and now we realise that the um it's not necessarily his granddaughter and that it's actually the child of the um woman that he was telling her the story about, Daisy. Oh right. Which is like I was surprised by that and the way they wrapped everything up was very good and very compelling and the art continues to be excellent. Like it's just a very um, you know, classic seeming pulp grind housey sort of miniseries. I think it's pretty good.
2: Yeah, I don't know why I dropped it. I might yeah. I might steal that one from you and catch up. Good um call. Descender number twenty by Jeff Lemire and Dustin Nguyen uh, continues this uh, very uh now convoluted and um, you know multi-storied uh, space opera epic um, we have like three different teams of, uh, of robots and space people all kind of with this with similar goals all going at different places on different planets uh, and uh, it's a very rewarding series uh, it's it's it had like a lull you know 10-ish tenish mm. issues ago but now it's uh, it's a really really solid monthly. That you should catch up on.
3: Nice. Cool. Absolutely. I will have to do that. Um, uh, issue seven of She-Wolf came out this week, which is a series that just more people should be reading. Rich Tommaso, I think is such a like unique voice in um, contemporary comics. And I think this is such a fu- fun, crazy book. Um, more werewolves, please. Thank you. This was a <laughs> great week for werewolves. Um, so this kind of starts a new story arc where we see like She-Wolf and her friend, sort of accidentally – I can't even remember what happened in the last issue because it's been a while since it came out. But they fall into, like, this crazy alternate universe filled with kind of half-lion, scantily-clad women. Um, And it seems to be a pretty all-female community, and they're trying to save um, the sister of She-Wolf's friend. And it's just, like – it's just madness. There's, like, half-fish, half-jackal men fighting wolves, fighting – naked women like it's so brilliant I can't I really really can't express and Rich Tommaso has a very distinctive style and I think he's one of those people that a lot of people would look at the comic and go like oh that's not for me but I really really love it and I think this is Crazy and different and weird and and very for you, very for me. This is so (laughs) for me (laughs) like, really for me. I really enjoy this book, guys.
2: Last image book I am still hate reading Reborn by Mark Millar and Greg Capullo, Jonathan Glapion, and FCO Flipocencia. Um, this is maybe the worst Mark Millar book I've ever read.
3: (laughs) That's a big call.
2: Um, uh, period watch.
3: Oh, cool! Um, awesome! We get another period in this book.
2: Uh, so th- this so th- this Christ. book is about an old lady who returns to a, a world in which she is like a teenage. And she talks about how weird it is to get her period again. And I uh, thought, that's just a weird thing for, like, grown old man Mark Miller to bring up and, like, I know, not like, be creepy about. Like, yeah,
3: the thing is, like, I wish I wish that it was more acceptable to talk about periods and stuff yeah. in a casual way in comics. But I don't think Mark Millar is the right writer to do it. And I can't imagine that that was broach in an especially, like, intelligent-seeming way. She, go-
2: she says to her dad, oh, I her know dad. it's weird that you're my dad, but it's so strange to get my period again. That's the dialogue. I don't know, like. I don't know. And that's that's yeah. the smallest problem with this book. This book, yeah. is, this movie is a mess. I only read this issue because I thought it was the last one. Turns out there's one more. Oh Christ! Um, but this is like almost undone all the goodwill I had towards Mark Millar after the last few things of his that I've enjoyed. Mm. Um, we've got one more issue of Jupiter's Legacy, or whatever it is, um, and I hope that's not terrible.
3: Yeah, fingers crossed. that I could, I could undo it. At least it it'll all. be Frank Wyattly.
2: Uh, Yeah, so those are the Image books that we read. A very great first edition of Roll the Dice for Image DC or Marvel. Amazing, guys. Maybe we should rig it for next week so Image (laughs) gets first, though. Um, (laughs) Although it wasn't that good of an Image week this week. Yeah, it was a reasonable Image week. It was okay. It had She-Wolf. Who do you want to do next? next? Dark Horse?
3: Uh, Yeah, let's talk about Dark Horse.
2: Black Hammer, number seven by Jeff Lemire, Dean Ormston, and Dave Stewart. That's right, it's a three Jeff Lemire week.
3: Woo, he is a busy man.
2: He loves to write a lot of comics.
3: He sure does. This is like the most... Like, clear direct tribute to Jack Kirby that I've ever (laughs) read in a contemporary comic. This is like, we see versions of like all of his most successful characters, like, and I almost wish it would. It was, like, one step more disguised because there is a character, like, we basically... He looks exactly like Darkseid. There's Mr. Miracle and Big Barter, basically, exactly as they appear. There's a version of Lockjaw, but he's just a pug <laughs> instead of a giant dog.
2: Yeah, so Black Hammer is a story of a bunch of superheroes from, like, you know, I guess, like, slight... They're a lot more uh, nuanced and disguised than, mm. than this character that we meet here. Um, but... They, they, these characters, these superheroes get stuck in a, uh, in a town that they can't leave. And the book is called Black Hammer. We know that there was a character called Black Hammer and we know that his daughter is trying to find him. Um, and so the, the, in this issue, the daughter comes to the town. She manages to travel to the town that all the superheroes are stuck in. Um, and we learn all about her father, who was Black Hammer. Uh, he was a, a social worker who um, found a hammer. Um, in, the, in the hand of a dying black superhero. Mm-hmm. And uh, because he was pure of heart and worthy, uh, he held the hammer and he gets transported to New World, um, which is a very Kirby-esque place. But mm-hmm. basically, um, he is like part Thor, part, part like Jack Kirby New Gods, yeah. and then part Inhumans because of that weird pug version of uh, yeah. Lockjaw. Uh, but uh, I mean... I feel like those concepts are so...
3: I know. Like, that's me being really picky. Yeah.
2: And, like, you know, we see this kind of stuff in in Garth Ennis' work. Yeah. In Astro City by Kurt Busiek. Um, But uh, I I, I was fine with with that analogy of him here. It's not even about him, really. It's about his decisions and, you know, how being a superhero affects you attempting to have a personal life and a family. Yeah. Um, So it's quite tragic, and especially when you see his daughter's like, how his daughter views him being a superhero.
3: Yeah, and we get to see the extremely, um, like, beautifully illustrated but gory way that he um, he dies. Yeah. Horrifying. So good. God. Dean Ornstein is so good. Does
2: he get, like, turned inside out?
3: He just gets, like, like taken apart. <laughs> like, his skin is torn off and all of his insides are outside.
2: Cool. Cool. What a way to go. Yeah. Um, and there's... Yeah, like we know that, like, the spooky witch lady has, like, stolen the memories of his daughter. um, So she doesn't remember how she even got there. So that means they can't get out. Mm. And it's cool to know, like, why they're not trying to escape because if they do, they get eviscerated.
3: Yeah. So, like, a compelling reason to not try and escape. Good job, guys. I liked it.
2: (laughs) Great series. Great creators. Uh, Dean Ormiston's art is awesome. Yeah. Really Reform good. Is doing good stuff.
3: Um, we also got the next issue of Empowered and the Soldier of Love from um, Dark Horse. So
2: you didn't get to review. Oh no, you you reviewed this one with with Nacho when uh, when I was. Oh in yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so this is the uh, like a mini series from the Empowered universe, written by Adam Warren with um, art by a Chilean artist called Carla Diaz, and uh, it's about everyone in the Empowered universe basically getting hit by Cupid's arrow, um, except it just turns <laughs> them into like sex crazed. Um, they're just all horny idiots. teens it's yeah, really exactly. funny um, and like team up
3: like pairings that you wouldn't have expected and like it's really funny I really enjoyed this
2: um, I find these minis from the Empowered Universe a lot more overwritten than uh, than Empowered usually is uh, but it's still very fun
3: yeah it's pretty much like this could exist just within the main um, Empowered story really you know um, this could just be an arc and but the the art is it's nice to see another artist have a crack at these like really iconic adam warren characters um and for it to for her to have so much fun with it
2: yeah in the past he's only really done it in annuals i know brandon graham did a, mm-hmm. an entire issue of Empowered that was amazing um but uh yeah this is this is this is something fun i'm I'm, yeah. I'm the the last empowered volume was so good though that i i really wanted to just put out a new volume of empowered it's been a long long time so this is like a, a nice thing to kind of you know Hold me off until it comes out, but god damn it, I want that next volume, Adam Warren.
3: I like this. How it's many? Really um, fun.
2: You you read the first volume of Empowered mm. for Queens of Kings? Yeah. Is a, um, a night that you run on the first Sunday of the month at King's Comics.
3: It's pretty much the third Sunday of every month, except when I need to make it a different Sunday. <laughs> so this um, this week, I believe this month. Sorry, it is happening. I believe. Oh god, I'll have to check that. Um, I think the 23rd, but I'm really excited about this month because it is going to be, um, we're talking about one of my all-time favorite manga um, books called Helter Skelter, which is a classic underground feminist manga about like, it's a really scathing critique of the beauty industry. And it's um, so good. It's so good. And we are doing that on 23rd. 23rd. Thank you, Lynn. That's Thank exonics. you, Voice Inside My Head, Lynn. 5.30 PM. Girls King's Only. Comics. Girls no Only. No Boys Allowed. No Boys Allowed. It's so fun. I love it.
2: Uh, the final Dark Horse book that I read this week was Depth, issue number twelve. Have
3: you dropped off of this? I have. Just because I missed a couple of issues. That's
2: a dang shame. That's is, a dang
3: is shame. Trade out yet? Uh, no, I don't think so.
2: This is the murder mystery set in the deep, in the depths of the sea, on a uh, on a on a like a research station um, run by uh, this uh, our main character's now dead father, and she's that's the death that she's investigating her father, uh, and. Things get in her way every single issue, um, and this one we see them almost escape to the surface, but there's a big reason they can't, and it's tragic. And uh, all the characters are now like fully developed from the from the series, and uh, you still don't know who killed the father, and it, it's great, fun. It's so great. It's like it's like part investigative, part like survival. Mm. It's great. Very very awesome. great series. Beautifully drawn, incredible colors, and just like a lovely stock of paper that it gets printed yeah. onto. Yeah, nice product. Uh, yeah, great product. Uh, who are we going to do next? Boom, dynamite.
3: Uh, should we talk about dynamite?
2: So dynamite. Uh, the Spirit issue number two of the Corpse Makers by Francesco Francavilla. Um, what a
3: perfect like. What a perfect creator to take on um, the Spirit. Absolutely. Really suits. Really makes sense. Really,
2: really suits because it kind of like you know. Uh, Frankavia hasn't done anywhere near as much as a writer as he has as an artist, but the spirit is definitely like, you know, a pulpy kind of hero that lends himself to like, you know, doesn't have to be particularly well written. But that said, he is quite well written in this.
3: Absolutely. And like Frankavia is such an amazing visual artist as well. Like he really has fun with the sort of um, classic things that we expect from the spirit, like the, the his name being part of the opening pages. I think this was like a really great example of that.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And it's some incredible action stuff. It's all very classic. The color choice of colours, the palette of this book is is really, really great. Um, Just spot
3: on, like tone-wise, spot on for the character.
2: And it's quick to read, but the pacing of the overall story is quite slow. We're still seeing things set up in motion. We're not quite sure what the mystery is. At hand is who the suspects are, what's gone wrong, but uh, it's still very entertaining.
3: Absolutely, and really it looks enjoyable.
2: Fucking beautiful. Yeah, like it's it's a mostly blue and yellow black book. So when there's flashes of any other colour, like there's a great red tinge of lights, and the spirit's red tie, it's very powerful.
3: Mm, absolutely, great book. And it's so fun. Like it's so um, it's really fun to have a book that doesn't sort of rely on. Um, like gore and really extreme violence happening on panel. Like every every kind of murder happens off panel, and it's mm-hmm. kind of more effective.
2: You'll just see, like, ah,
1: or yeah, crunch. <laughs> like-
3: and the spirit is such a like, like instead of threatening someone with a gun, he uses a bottle in the back of their head, which is a very like Tin Tin move to me, and I loved.
2: Actually, on, on that note, mm. I I read issue five and six and the finale of um, Evil Heroes from Zenoscope, which is the first. Series from Xenoscope I've ever read, mm. um, and uh, I I bought this expecting it to be like an over the top, violent, sexy romp. Yeah, but instead it was actually quite a good like kind of you know exploration of what if you know the the, the Justice League were evil basically mm. and decide decide to destroy the world. Classic. Um, and uh, they aren't successful. Oh, Spoilers. thank goodness. Phew. But uh, yeah, all of the gory stuff happens off panel.
3: That's kind of nice.
2: Um, yeah. So I like that.
3: Just yeah. a, Just a bit of a change from like the Mark Millar kind of everyone's being raped kind <laughs> sort of thing that happens a lot. Everyone's getting their period. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, should we call the episode that? Probably not. Yeah. My- <laughs> <laughs> we can. All right, well, let's do it. <laughs> um, the Evil Heroes, it was like, you know, not, not quite as uh, as fun as the first few issues, but uh, it was a pretty satisfying ending.
3: Nice. Um, I read, I, like, I'm The worst. I constantly forget the things are coming out that I want to read because there's so much stuff. There's so much stuff on the shelves. Um, But this week I picked up an issue of um, Heavy Metal, Mm -hmm. which um, I intended to read since Grant Morrison took over because it's kind of, you know, what he's spending the most time on. But I just picked this one up because it had an excellent James Jean cover. Um, Like a cover that was apparently taken off the shelves at most newsagents because it's like a sexy, weird rabbit orgy. um, Which I can understand. And this was like a... Perfectly
2: kosher on the King's Comics shelves.
3: Absolutely. We love it here. Um, And this was like, this was the Valentine's Day issue, so it was a fairly sexy issue. Um, But, you know, Grant Morrison is such a great call for um you know being the editor of something like heavy metal because he brings some really diverse interesting unique voices um we have a great like dean uh silent dean haspiel story um about like the bride of frankenstein fighting all of these different monsters to get back to her husband and really really nicely well done there was a beautiful i don't know who did this um one called they lived happily ever after which was like a funny take on um Someone called someone called Baldo created it. It seems very like Spanish, I think. And it like a really funny take on um
2: Princess and the Frog?
3: Yeah. Uh, or like um, Sleeping Beauty and that kind of stuff sure. um, but my personal favourite is by Enzo Garza which was called Gut Ghost <laughs> The Letters of the Beast and it's about this ghost whose guts are on the outside going on a date but then he realises that his date is actually his cat dressed up as a version like a female version of himself it's like totally nuts but I really liked it it was <laughs> a really weird fun thing but I think that heavy metal is, um, is a super fun thing to pick up at the moment Amazing. thanks Grant Morrison
2: the final book that we're going to talk about is W.W.E. Um, from Boom Studios, issue number three by Dennis Hopeless um, and art by Serge Akuna, um, telling the story all about Seth Rollins, um, the wrestler, and uh, his fall from grace and his uh, return to the ring. Um, so this we we see him, uh, you know, he's, he's shattered his knee in a, in a match, and we see him trying to recuperate. And um, holy shit. <laughs>
3: Sorry, I've just distracted (laughs) Levins because we just got the best thing ever posted on the Serious Issues page. Tristan um, has made us a, like... (laughs) <laughs> like a cover You've
2: got our first fan art. We've got our
3: first cu- fan art and it's the best thing ever. Sorry. It says at the top, Mut means front bum, thank you, starring Lev Dog DJ, who is just three circles and a face and, <laughs> and shinbone iron tits. And it's a really good likeness of both of us. And my um my tits have the iron fist symbol on it. It's amazing. <laughs> thank you so much, Tristan. This really made me laugh. That's And fantastic. really distracted me <laughs> halfway through halfway through Levin's room you um uh, holy shit that is amazing so funny. Really right, maybe i guess laugh. we're gonna have to
2: share that this week
3: yeah.
2: <laughs> facebook.com slash <laughs> uh, serious podcast if you want to see me drawn as a snowman oh it's up
3: on the page it's up on the page right now <laughs> check it out guys
2: uh wow that's brilliant thank you so much to tristan um of course if you don't get any of those references listen to last week's episode when we uh go through the comments that we received on our iron fist video that we did for netflix yes. yeah <laughs> holy moly that's uh, hilarious that really so. maybe but yeah wwe was uh all about um Roland's kind of trying to make his return to 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 wrestling. At one point he gets uh uh a visit from um the New Day, the three black wrestlers, um, who are like these like larger than life versions of themselves who like bust into like make like like help help, help make bust into like make him make changes in his life and one of them's playing a trombone and they just get all over his, get it, get it all up in his face. It's very funny.
3: What? That sounds like madness.
2: It's not as funny as our fan art. And so now, <laughs> I, like, everything I talk about just sounds pathetic, but who cares? It was the last comic. I liked it. Whatever. Nice. Thanks to Tristan for ruining the episode.
3: <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, God. That's, that's, that's the
2: best. Thanks um, so much. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Serious Issues. We'll be back next week and we'll be reviewing the following books. It's a, it's a, we, like, that was well over, that was like 55 comics or something. Yeah, this wow. Week. We did over 53. So, whoops. Uh, Maybe we just say this is episode 55. Should we do that? Yeah. No, let's not do that. <laughs> uh, but this week, uh, the most exciting thing is the uh, called cool DC crossover books, where they basically have DC properties crossing over with uh, Hanna-Barbera properties. So first up, we have um, the Future Quest book, which contains like Space Ghost and um, uh, like the all the other characters from that thing that I forgot all I can think about is myself doing a story <laughs> <circles right now. laughs> it's really funny but uh, that, that, that book teaming up with Adam Strange uh, we've also got Booster Gold entering the world of the Flintstones um, we have Green Lantern uh, teaming up with Space Ghost uh, and we also have Suicide Squad teaming up with the band the Hanna-Barbera band Banana Splits what and there's also a whole bunch of uh, new backups most exciting of which is the first uh, glimpse into Huckleberry uh, sorry uh, what's it? What was? What's the one that um, thing I was doing next from Flintstones? It oh, is like pi- the pink cat. Yeah, the pink cat's Snugglepuss. Snag- yeah, there you go, Sna- nailed it. Snugglepuss by the writer of uh, of Flintstones, which is ex- super exciting. But Mark Mark Russell is that his name? Yeah, yes. Mark. Russell. That's cool. Three circles. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's also a um, the final issue of Mark Wade and Chris Sumney's Black Widow run. Which is a bummer, but um, also quite exciting. Uh, the second issue of some, of some first issues that we really loved. Um, we've got Animal, no- Animal Noir number two, Heathen number two, and um, yes, uh, the Old Guard by Greg Rucker number two as well. Great. Um, we have a new two new series from Marvel. We've got Inhumans Prime and X Men Prime. We have uh, the annual, the WWE WrestleMania number one. Oh goodness I was just talking about <laughs> uh and there's a whole bunch of other stuff that we like coming out next week too uh commandy challenge number three Another, cool a new divinity book oh, deadly sick. class so it's gonna be a good week yeah. next week make sure you're there to listen to it uh, again thanks so much to our good friends at planet broadcasting for inviting us to be part of their family and thanks to king's comics for having us as their family from the get-go yeah thanks guys um, you can find us online facebook dot com slash serious issues or facebook dot com slash groups slash serious issues if you want to discuss the episode with a huge community of six hundred and fifty ish people who love talking about comics every damn day. It's nice. Uh, you can find us on Twitter, serious underscore underscore issues, or I am at levdog, and Siobhan is at SiobhanCBG.
3: Oh, one thing I wanted to mention quickly. Sorry, just um, it's like the only thing I posted on Twitter over the last week. But um, short box, which is the thing that I've mentioned before, is um, no, uh, vol- number four, the fourth short box is currently um available to pre-order. And this is a thing only- that has nothing
2: to do. with This isn't an advertisement. It's just something. No, it's box. just something
3: I love. Um. Uh, it's only available until March 31st, but there are some incredible books coming out in this one. I really highly recommend um, checking it out if it's, it's a- something that it looks like... It's kind of like a... It's not like I wish that they just did it as a subscription box, but it's kind of like an almost quarterly box of um, really well curated, independent comics um, from really diverse creators. So we've got a full comic by Dilraj Mann, who did um, the cover of last week's image, which was the final image. No image uh, sorry Ireland um. Um, and heaps more Sloane Leong who I love who's got like some kind of amazing women's basketball comic not in this but she has a car anyway she's amazing um, and I'm really keen to see what's in there it's not going to come out for a couple of months but you can pre-order it now do it do it now
2: awesome well that is uh, our episode for today well we two hours and six minutes so far. guys
3: congrats <laughs> if you made it this far
2: and we'll see you next week see you guys